Hello everybody, welcome to the Mel Have a Podcast. It is episode 169. Hello out there. I am Mel from Mel Hammer. Joining me today is Eleanor Goodman from Mel Hammer. Hello, Elle. Hello, Mel. Also joining me today, <laughs> don't know why I sounded a bit dead. Also joining me today is Mr. Stephen Hill, also from Mel Hammer. Hello, Steve. Merlin Alderslade, as I live and breathe. How are you, babes? I only saw you, <laughs> I only saw you a couple of days ago from a sins. I know, we are all fresh. My voice is still shot to shit. I was hoping it would be better by today, sorry. But yeah, it is not. Um, but uh, we are all fresh from a quite, frankly, magical weekend at Downloads Pilot, which we are going to get really stuck into uh, a bit later on. But before all that, there's something else very exciting to talk about because there is a brand new issue of Metal Hammer magazine that is out right now. And I am I know I can be guilty of hyperbole sometimes, but I'm not kidding you. Don't you laugh at me, Al. When I say <laughs> this is, without a shadow of a doubt, our biggest issue of the year so far, because we are celebrating 20 years of Iowa, the groundbreaking, game-changing Slipknot album. It went to number one in this country, easily the heaviest album to ever hit number one over here. Uh, and it was also famously the album that almost tore Slipknot apart for good. And we have a world-exclusive, brand-new interview. I'm going to have to cut this out, sorry. <clears throat> Goodness me. We have a world exclusive brand new interview with the band and not only the band, but also a lot of the people that were around them at the time. So people like producer Ross Robinson, legendary metal producer from the 90s and early 2000s in particular, uh, Roadrunner Records legend Monty Connors in there. Everybody who was at Ground Zero, for this history making record is in this feature. It's a beautiful write up by Danny Levers. And uh, basically, if you're a Slipknot fan, you need this magazine in your life. It also comes in a very cool package that includes an exclusive commemorative Slipknot patch. You cannot get this. You cannot literally get this anywhere else in the world. Uh, and we've also got a really cool poster set as well featuring shots of the band and uh, all their album art through the years. So it's a big old Slipknot celebration. Uh, and there's a ton of other cool content in there as well, as well as all the Slipknot stuff. We've got an exclusive unpublished Lemmy interview that's never been seen before. We've got stuff with Powerwolf. We're packing WWE Raw Women's Champion Rhea Ripley, who was on this very podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, we've got Highlung, Eamon Ra, Nightwish, Beartooth, Clutch. Oh, just go get it. Go get it right now. Wait, listen to this podcast and then go get this issue at your local UK shop or get it delivered straight to your door from tinyurl.com slash get hammer it's a big old issue this one isn't it l i want to go and get it so badly i mean there is one that should be landing on my door tomorrow hopefully i'm so excited to see it i really really just want to get my hands on it and obviously we've seen all the uh, stuff that's inside of it but i really want to see the patch in real life as well that's going to be so cool because the design is amazing yeah shout out louise uh, melhammer art editor who um, designed it it looks great and it was you got the official seal of approval from the band as well, by the way. So it is uh, a legit, awesome celebration of all things Slipknot. Um, and as I say, go to tinyurl.com slash gethammer to get it ordered to you. Or go out in the shops while we know that we still can uh, to pick it up uh, right now as well. It's out now. And um, yeah, it was an awesome thing to put together. Uh, if you heard us talk up Iowa um, on the Slipknot Hall of Fame a few months ago, you'll know we love this album very, very much. Indeed. Uh, big shout out as well to the Metal Hammer Podcast sponsors, the one and only Killstar. They are the one of, one of the world's very greatest leading alternative fashion brands. They've got a great range of clothing, shoes, accessories, lifestyle items for all genders, 
all people from all walks of life. Um, I mean, if you consider yourself like a metalhead, a goth, a punk, you love alternative fashion, you just love good clothes and stuff like that, basically. This is the site for you. And Metal Hammer Podcast listeners do get an exclusive discount off of Killstar items. And uh, to get that discount, all you have to do is sign up to the Killstar newsletter where you'll get a 10% discount off your next purchase and you'll be entered into a draw to win a £100 gift card or a $100 or €100, depending on when you're coming in from. Uh, And to claim that discount and be entered into the draw, just go over to killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods. That's killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods. Um, you literally just enter your details there and you'll be sent a code for the discount that will expire after 30 days and they have got t-shirts, dresses, shoes, pin badges, beanies, sunglasses, anything you possibly want to keep yourself out for the summer. Um, and uh, if you're entering from the US or Europe, you can add US dot or EU dot to that address that I just mentioned. Um, and yeah, you can win a $100 or pound or euro gift card, which is very cool as well. And you can sign up to that deal until July 2nd. So kind of starting to run out of time to get in on that. So if you like Killstar stuff, um, and Lord knows you should, because they've got loads of great stuff, go over to that address now and get on it immediately. Um, right, before we get stuck into downloads, I feel like we have to acknowledge this insane Metallica Black Album celebration that's happening. We suspected that Metallica might be doing something um, quite significant on the Black Album this year because they've been doing all these big vinyl reissues of all the whole discography up until now. Um, but they have gone all out for this album, all out for what is unquestionably the biggest metal album of all time, as well as uh, t- a tits and all uh, box set edition that's going to have... Let me make sure I can get all this now. Uh, double vinyl LP, standard CD, three CD expanded edition... Oh, that's not even the box set. That's just some of the versions you can get. In the box set, uh, there's the two-disc vinyl, a picture disc, three live LPs, 14 CDs. 14 CDs just dedicated to the Black Album with fucking rough mixes, demos, interviews, live shows, six DVDs, uh, a 120-page hardcover book, four tour laminates, three lithos, uh, three guitar picks, a Metallica lanyard, a folder with lyric sheets, and a download card. It's not bad, is it? Steve's drooling. Oh, basically. mate, I have to. I have to get that. I've got the Justice for All one and I've got the Kill Em All. I know not the Kill Em All. I've got the Ride the Lightning and the Justice for All one. The Justice for All one is... I mean, the Ride the Lightning one's great, but the, the, the further you get into Metallica's career, there's more stuff, more, more, more stuff. More stuff. Give me more stuff, please. And yeah. that is what the Black Album one has got. So much cool shit on that. It's going to cost me a lot of money and I'll probably have to sell like a kidney or something. But happy to do that. Happy to do that. You only I, need one, Steve. Exactly. And I've got two. So why the fuck am I bothering having two kidneys and no Black Album box set? What a waste, stupid life I've been leading. I mean, exactly. I, hope, I hope that your kidney would be worth more than a couple of hundred quid, to be honest, mate. I don't nah. know what the going rate is, but that seems that seems low. Mate, you know <laughs> how much shit I eat. My kidney's a shriveled <laughs> pile of piss. I wouldn't wish my kidney on a 97-year-old arthritic, like, cow. <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know. Just want that Black Album box set, all right? Send it me. Well, the strangest thing is, is that that's, this box set is not even like the kind of big news from this whole thing because there is also going to be uh, the Metallica Blacklist collection, right? Which is coming out digitally on September 10th um, and it's coming out uh, physically uh, in October, including a seven LP vinyl edition. 
this is absolutely ridiculous how much space this is all going to take up on people's um, mantelpieces. Uh, and the Metallica Blacklist collection is basically reimaginings and covers of uh, people's favourite songs from the Black Album. And the list of artists that are doing these Black Album covers is mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing. We are talking everyone from Ghost to Weezer to Rina Sawayama to uh, St. Vincent to uh, the Neptunes to Chase and Status to The Who to Dave Gahan to... Uh, I don't even know. I just can't even keep up with it. It's absolutely insane. Corey Taylor's on there. Biffy Clyro's on there. Royal Blood's on there. This is just one of the most impressive uh, experiments, I guess, of this kind that I've ever seen. And there's a trailer out there now where it shows little snippets of all these covers. And it's just like, it's going to take fucking ages to get through all this once we actually get our ears around it, isn't it? What do you make of all these covers, Elle? There are 53 artists 53 artists covering 12 songs it's insane i haven't seen an actual track listing yet the trailer as you said shows snippets of people kind of in the studio singing bits of their songs there are about three or four versions of nothing else matters on the video that's obviously going to be a popular choice it's absolutely insane i've never seen anything on this scale before i mean we've done cover cd on the mag and i know bands have done cover cds before but usually you get one artist doing each song on the records you'd have 12 songs by 12 artists but giving people free reign and just going here you go 53 artists do whatever you like it's gonna be so crazy it's i'm so curious to see how it comes out how people have adapted their songs to make them their own and which the standout ones are and if we're going to get a little bit fed up with hearing lots of versions of nothing else matters or if it's just going to be the best thing ever because it's so exciting to have so many covers i don't know it's gonna i'm just so excited to hear it it's one of these real wild card things there are, yeah if it, th- sorry go on there are 12 versions of nothing else matters from oh have you seen the actual track yeah i've got it in front of me now it's got phoebe bridges Amazing. Miley Cyrus, which I think a lot of people have heard. Dave Gahan, God, from Depeche Mode. Like, someone called Dermot Kennedy. I don't know who that is. My Morning Jacket are covering it. Darius Rucker from um, Hootie and the Blowfish is covering it. Chris Stapleton, the the um, the, the country western singer. He's very good. Tr- like, there's, like it's, a, it's ridiculous. Like, a ridiculous amount of people covering a ridiculous amount of different songs but particularly nothing else matters like 12 different covers of nothing else matters and it to be that broad of people is mad it's pretty insane i feel like nothing else matters feels like it's kind of the most from the clips that we've heard anyway it's kind of like the least experimentation going on in most of those songs which is kind of understandable but i mean miley cyrus's version sound like it's going to be massive she's just such a great singer she Um, said last year was it last october that she was working on a metallica covers album so I wonder if this is something from there or if it's something she did additionally to it or whether that news about having Your her powers having... of deduction amaze me. <laughs> <laughs> or whether that news of her having a Metallica covers album is was she just referencing this? I don't know. I think she's I, re- I think she meant this. She meant she's doing a cover yeah. for this record, not doing her own cover. Yeah, I think she I, kind of just leaked a little bit so. of info out there, didn't she? Hmm. Yeah, cuz um uh, Elton John's on that version as well, which is just yeah, again, it just gets madder and madder. I mean, Ghost version, Ghost are doing Enter Sandman, um, and uh, you can hear a little snippet of that on the, um, on the video, and that sounds really cool. They've obviously reimagined it in quite an interesting way. Um, what was the chasing status? One, Reverend Moreau. Yeah. 
Yeah. Just and it just sounds Larry because I think they've got an MC in on it, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just uh, it just sounds mad, and I think what we'll probably have to do, and I'm going to commit all three of us to this now, is that when this drops, we're going to have to do a review of every single one of these covers on this <laughs> podcast because. <laughs> <laughs> Once we get to the 18th version of uh, Don't Tread on Me, <laughs> we won't know what the fuck's going on. But yeah. We're going to have to time box it to a minute per song so that we don't just you know, no, go no, on for we're hours. Going out. God, yeah, that'll be 53 minutes, won't it? I didn't yeah. even think of that. Yeah. Oh, God. There's, we can um, do it. I, I think we can do it. A minute per song. Just well, there, you know, there are, given our judgment. There are some that are definitely stand out being more interesting than others. I mean, Weezer covering Enter Sandman. I've heard the Teal album by Weezer. They ain't going to do shit with that. But Rina Sawayama doing Enter Sandman. Now, that is fucking interesting. Portugal the Man doing um, Don't Tread on Me with Aaron Beam from Red Fang. Like, that is fucking awesome. Like, that's probably more interesting than, like, Volbeat doing that or something. Like, the Neptunes doing Wherever I May Roam. Amazing. And then you've got people like KG Elephant and Pup and Off doing Holier Than Now, both of them, and Biffy doing that as well. Like, Royal Blood. It's not a lot of, like, it's cool because it it wouldn't be interesting, really, to have 53 metal artists doing covers of these songs. Like, hearing, with all due respect to a band like, I don't know, uh, Lamb of God or Havoc or whoever, them doing a metal version of a really famous metal song. We've had Machine Head doing these songs before. Like, I think, you know, it says a lot about, I think it says a lot about Metallica. Like, what other band, what other band ever in metal could even, even like Sabbath or Iron Maiden, you could pick Paranoid and get bloody, or, you know, uh, Number of the Beast. I don't think you could get Power Save Number of the Beast or, you know, whatever and have such a wide range of artists want to cover them i just don't think you could i think metallica are literally the only band there might be maybe someone like system of a down maybe would get a few people regis machine might get like people from outside of that but get into the like imelda may and phoebe bridges and people like that like it's so broad and like people shit on metallica a lot but i think it's fucking amazing this is way more interesting than hearing like you know funeral for a friend doing battery or whatever I, yeah, I agree. I think I think Metallica are, are certainly the only metal band that could do something like this. And I think it all comes down to um, them just being a band that refuse to kind of do like the do the kind of bare minimum. They they don't just want to do the obvious thing and just kick out um, a reissue all the time. They've done that, and to be fair, these box sets themselves are always really impressive. But the fact that they're doing this as well. It's just, it's fucking badass. And, you know, people shit on Metallica a lot. People shit on Lars a lot. But I guarantee Lars is really engaged in a lot of these covers. And I bet he's heard most, if not all of them. You know, he really likes kind of engaging with other parts of the music industry. I think it's great. And I'm really excited about it. I'm sure plenty of them will be crap. Because not everything in a 53 cover song set can be amazing. It's just not possible to put together something like that. But at the very least, it's really interesting. Um and yeah, I I think it would have been nice to see a couple of more forward-thinking metal bands on there. Like, I'd love to see a Code Orange on something like this or a Loathe or someone like that. But, um, I mean, the, the sheer scope of artists on here is absolutely mad. Well, it's, nice mad. They've got, it's nice they've got a Who on there, HU, because obviously they did that Metallica cover and it's kind of cool that they've got them on this sort of in a more official capacity. And they're such an interesting band as well. I think I don't think they were singing in English on that clip as well on the video. So that's kind of cool that, you know, 
doing it in their native language. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm excited. And we will review that motherfucker of a project in full when it uh, arrives in September. So uh, listen to that for that on a future Mel Hover podcast. Um, right, let's get to the main event, shall we? We inexplicably went to a festival this weekend. When this time, I don't know, a month ago, five weeks ago, we weren't sure if we'd get to go to a festival at all this summer. Uh, Download Pilot took place this past weekend. 10,000 rock and metal fans flooded into Download uh, for the first time in two years onto the uh, the sacred turf of Donington. Um, and what followed was, as I said earlier, a quite magical weekend um, that I think was just surreal for a lot of us. It was emotional. Um, I think maybe before we get stuck into the, the actual lineup and stuff, maybe we should just tell people how it all kind of came together because... We found about this. We found out about this like literally like a couple of weeks before everyone else did. So this has all been very by the seat of pants kind of stuff. Um, and uh, in the lead up to the festival, we all had to take a negative test. We had to take a negative test or show proof of a negative test. Um, at least, I think it was within thirty six hours, wasn't it? It was, yeah. So we were because we were going as press. We were working there. So for us, it was the lateral flow test. Uh, within 36 hours preferably on the day of arrival and for festival goers they also had to do a PCR test once they arrived on site yeah um so there's a you know there's a they've done everything in their power basically download to kind of make sure that this was a field full of people who at least had not tested positive for COVID they very much tested negative and for all intents and purposes didn't look like um they had it and so far you know I've seen like apparently there's some viral video of one person saying they got covid at the festival or since the festival at tiktok but the the data on that kind of stuff is obviously still very raw at the moment so we still won't know for a few more days at least um exactly how that all went but hopefully uh the results will be good we'll see that it wasn't a super spreader event and then that'll be a really promising um precursor to the rest of the summer um and uh, so to get everyone kind of safely on site and set up and i guess kind of manage this whole thing bands did not start until five o'clock on the friday um we all got on site i'd say between about two to four p.m we probably all flooded on team metal hammer yeah just a little correction sorry pcr test that people did take them before they arrived then they take them five days after the event as well so like you said the data we won't have all the data yet because people won't have taken their second test yet but yeah we all arrived on site didn't we about four four p.m ish and just kind of to get ourselves on there and all getting ready for the first band um, we didn't arrive uh, together me and steve arrived just a bit after you so can what, what was it like for you just stepping through those gates and I, sh- I should say as well the organization was incredible because we literally turned up you uh have to submit all your test data and stuff before you get on site and then when you get on site they just quickly double check it and they give you a a wristband um that gets scanned in um to, to make sure you gain entry that will happen super quickly um, what was it like for you just walking on site for the first time and just seeing a festival of people walking around without masks or social distancing? It was really surreal. It was really, real, really surreal. Walked in and the first thing you could see was the second stage, which was which was a tent style stage. And there was already some people gathering under there. And there was also like a tattoo tent and there was a queue already. And then between them, there were fairground amusement, which was amazing. I didn't know they would have a fairground. And then beyond them, you could see all the food vans and you could see all the tents. And it was so strange to see 
everybody in close proximity to each other and it was so strange to see normal festival stuff and it just felt surreal after a year more than a year of being inside buildings and being far away from people when you were inside buildings with other people to just see people out on a field all just excited for a festival about to start it was the most surreal feeling and it's just one of those things that felt really normal but really strange at the same time and then as you walked through it past the second stage then you could see the main stage come into view and the arena surrounding that and that bit with the sort of second stage and the main stage didn't really look that different to normal download because um you know in front of the main stage they just kind of had that area and then you get sort of the food bands behind it and obviously it was scaled down there weren't as many kind of um, you know there weren't like speaker towers like they usually were kind of towering through the middle of it but it, for all intents and purposes it just felt like download it felt like being at download and it was very very yeah I just can't stop saying it, it was very surreal yeah that's the only word I would go straight to as well it's surreal I mean Steve and I walked on together just after you did and um I uh, it was it was weird because when you work festivals every summer I guess the same as if you go to a few every summer like it just feels so natural and normal that you just you just kick straight back into the vibe like you've never left like it, it certainly didn't feel like it had been two years since we've been at a festival together that was the first weird thing but then when you actually kind of stopped and took a pause and looked around at people just happily walking around and chatting and um you know this was before music had started obviously just yeah you like you said going to all the food trucks and queuing up at the bars it was just like wow this is this is normal life like we're in a little bubble of normal life for the first time in uh you know 18 months or whatever it's been um and then we barely had kind of time to uh kind of get our senses before the first band came on which was death blooms at uh five o'clock on the second stage um I didn't, I don't, I knew I was going to feel quite emotional, but I don't think I was quite prepared for just how I was going to feel when the kind of guitars kick in and it, they do that kind of like, and then like the front man comes <laughs> on and he goes, oh, download, and everyone starts cheering. Like I got a full on lump in my throat, man. Like I was not prepared for it. What was that moment like for you, Steve? It was really, really weird. Like <clears throat> I have seen a couple of bands in the last couple of weeks, I saw Puppy and Foxjaw uh, on two separate occasions at the Signature Brew in Walthamstow, which is, you know, like about a sort of 100 people sat on benches watching a band in a little thing. And I was like, oh, great, it's live music. Wow, how cool sort of thing. Um, but it is slightly different and it's certainly different to a festival. And we walked over and it had been raining. And I, I mean, I've got to say, like, just to go back, like I, I woke up in the morning, it was pissing down. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, as a kind of miserableist about the weather, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to moan about the weather all weekend. And even as the most cynical human being you will ever meet and someone who despises getting wet at festivals, I barely mentioned the weather all weekend. And it was sort of, it was a lot better than I think we anticipated it was going to be anyway. But it was raining quite hard on the Friday. And I was just like, wow, fucking, you know, suck it up. It's fine. It's good to be here. But when the lights went down for that first band... I, that was like, that was like the roar that went up when, you know, like someone like Rage Against the Machine were about to come on. I mean, it was like, 
it was like the greatest band ever were about to come on. Like I, they got the like almost every single person in that tent, and it was packed. That second stage was packed. Did the biggest roar, and then suddenly the screens came on on the side, and it wasn't even just it wasn't even really just the band because when the band came on and they started playing, it was exciting. But it was when the camera cut to people and they were like opening up a circle pit, and you're like fucking it's it's for those people like death blooms were fine death blooms seemed like quite a decent band i wouldn't say in, under normal circumstances i'd be like oh my god death blooms are amazing but death bloom set will go down as one of that that set will go down as one of the kind of most historic sets in download history even though they were just like they're just like a pretty good metal band right a pretty good kind of hardcore metal band but i mean the reaction they got it was like fucking it's like Led Zeppelin had reformed or something. It was absolutely unbelievable. And people were going berserk. And seeing people go that mad, like you suddenly go, oh, this is the thing that I've missed. This is just the before, thing. Just before you guys walked over as well, they were playing the Venga Boys, the Venga Bus is coming. Oh, we heard that as we were walking out. Yeah. <laughs> and that was really funny because it's such a download thing like if you've been to download or know anything about download you know that people don't take themselves too seriously there are always costumes there are always people just having a laugh and being silly and to walk over to that stage and they're playing that as the warm-up music like everyone was just already in a really party mood and it was really funny because everyone was like singing the lyrics and like chanting them and like putting their arms around each other and you're like what everybody's touching and then when death blooms came on and just crash through that pop with like you said mill that like massive guitar like feedback noise and then just like burst into this discordant metalcore mud vein i loved them by the way sort of noise they're kind of like, just, new, like almost new metally weren't they definitely yeah. another band you like bringing the new metal back <laughs> everyone was just like ah and it was so good i loved that set i thought it was brilliant yeah it was just it was a it, i think you'd really have to fuck up to that for that set to not go down well i mean like if if that if that if any band had come on there you'd not come away from it being like that was brilliant then that would not be a very good band at all but yeah definitely <laughs> got the job done before um there wasn't a lot of super metal hammery bands on the friday um we should probably say because after death blooms um hot milk uh came onto the main stage and and um like i said like the download site was basically like as if they just had the main stage and what is normally the third stage and just kind of cut that part of the arena out. And that was just the whole site, which was fucking great because it was so nice being able to like, as anyone who's been to someone like Bloodstock knows, being able to like watch a band, realise that you need a wee or something, go to the toilet, grab a beer on the way back and then still be playing the same song is so nice. And it gave a really kind of unique, intimate um, vibe to the festival which download doesn't necessarily always have so that was really nice um, you can do that it... if dream theater are playing though you can probably <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't come back if you can do your tax returns and dream theater are still playing the same song <laughs> just one thing on death booms actually we should say i i think it was also emotional just having a little look at my phone because i was writing a few things down when we were watching them you know as a journalist i remember you know there was one point where it was all like chess beating metal and at one point i looked over and he was literally beating his chest and i was like that's funny because i was just thinking about it being chess beating but he also did this little monologue and said how like everyone in this band has lost friends and family to addiction and suicide not just the pandemic 
lads, it's okay not to be okay, get help, there's always a better way. I did think that was quite poignant to say that, you know, it's not just having like a massive party, it was going, we've all had a shit time and people have actually had a shit time because of there being a pandemic, not just the COVID illness, like people have gone through all these things and we're all, it's okay not to be okay and we're all just going to sort of acknowledge that and have a good time and especially you know yeah especially as there were a big group of lads making a lot of noise I did think it was nice and quite poignant that that also happened as well I think that was sort of a big part of the underlying feel of the festival was that it was very celebratory um, and it was almost in defiance of what people have had to go through in the last year plus um, and I think you could really feel that at the event. Yeah, definitely. It was an emotional, uh, it was an emotional opening to what was a very emotional weekend. I, mean, I know that at one point, um, the singer as well was was saying how he was sorry for being quiet, but he was he tried not to cry, and there was a lot of that going around. Um, and then yeah, after after Death Blooms on the main on the second stage, sorry, uh, all the bands were staggered, so you didn't have to miss any bands. It was kind of like the old Sonosphere classic uh, layup. Um, so there was a lot of kind of mass movement from stage to stage. Uh, I feel like I did watch a bit of Hot Milk, but I can't remember anything about them, which isn't probably the most glowing thing I can say. Were they the ones that were kind of paramorial? They're the ones from Manchester, aren't they? And I said to you, oh, they sound... I think I said they sound a little bit like Paramore and a little bit like Marmosets or something. And we went over and they sounded like really growly and metally and you were like, that doesn't sound like Paramore. And then the lead singer started singing and it was like, oh yeah, there you go. (laughs) I think they're a Manchester band and they're just sort of like, yeah, like fun kind of rock and roll. Fair play. Yeah, they were all right. They were solid. Um, What really kind of like was comfortably my highlight of the Friday was Malevolence back on the second stage. Just Larry Hatebreed by the way of Pantera fucking metal <laughs> it was just so good steve's nodding i think he agrees yeah I, and actually i was going to say the thing about malevolence is and i don't think they get the credit for this is they actually particularly on that second album because rain is suffering when that came out in 2013 and we were all like holy shit this is like hate breed and pantera fucking in a blender or something do you know what i mean <laughs> but that album that came that's out, such a horrible way to fuck in a blender uh, uh, you know, it's a horrible music. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to be like, you know, it's like making love in cushions. Yeah, kissing on a bed full of roses like that in the malevolence way, is it? So yeah, that was like that was a great record. And then I think when the next one came out, it's got Kirk Weinstein on it, and they've got a bit more of that kind of. There's a bit more of that really leaned in on that kind of southern influence and clean vocals like melodic clean vocals and they're actually a really fucking like a lot of the time a lot of these bands that get sort of lumped in as being like like Al said about chess beaty kind of new metally quite simplistic music i thought having seen malevolence a bunch of times i'd always sort of sort of noticed it but i guess not seeing them for a long time and, and going from death blooms to them i was like fucking hell malevolence are great songwriters and really great musicians and they not only bring that thuggish like aggro stomp that you want from that kind of music but they also bring a lot of like craft and melody and a bit of anth- and a kind of anthemic quality as well i thought they were fucking awesome malevolence they're one of those times where i was like fucking hell i've not listened to malevolence and i kind of forgotten about them a little bit like much to my embarrassment but they were absolutely fucking awesome they're a great band they're such a great band they should be much bigger than they are 
their output's been a bit inconsistent in terms of, you know, I don't think they've had a full-length album for ages. I know they've had some EPs and stuff, but they kind of, I don't know, they don't feel like they've always had the momentum that they maybe needed. But yeah, they're, uh, I mean, that first album was in my top three. I remember it very highly in my list for that year it came out. Same with the second one. Um, and yeah, you're right, actually. There's a lot more to that band. And another set that was punctuated with some quite emotional and heartfelt speeches about the effects of that pandemic on in ways that maybe we don't talk about enough yeah 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 i love that song keep your distance the one they finished with it's so good it's just one that you can really sing along with and yeah like you said there was there were a lot of like bands traditionally either fronted by men or with lots of male members who just wouldn't have talked about that in the past so i think it is really positive but just like you're saying about malevolence, I always had it in my head that they'd been around for ages and you kind of look back and they haven't actually released that much music. And I think with this festival, before it happened, we even spoke about the fact that this is so unique as a lineup because it's a British lineup, it's a young British lineup. And I think this weekend you could really tell like that there's so much talent in this country. And obviously the brilliant metal bands all over the world, but some bands playing this weekend might not have always had a look in or there might not be in space for them on the bill but there are so many good bands we actually have like homegrown talent and i'm sure we'll get to it like loads of women as well like it just felt like there was so much more female representation this weekend yeah i think that's i think that sounds uh pretty spot on actually um after uh after malevolence we have boston manor on the main stage fine for what it was and not really my jam um then we had Holding Absence on the second stage, which I caught a little bit of if I was kind of walking back. Did you catch Holding Absence, L? Okay. No, um, I I think I was like getting some water or something, but um, we had Rich Hobson over there. He's one of our writers. He was on the ground. Shout out, Rich. Shout out, Rich. He uh, was contributing to our online write-up and uh, our write-up in the mag, which will be out at some point. And he said... There was just a huge crowd and they're just hanging on to every word. Yeah, you could hear the sing-alongs from out in the field. It was pretty intense. They're one of these bands that have managed to get this really dedicated fan base and they've got a lot of momentum behind them at the moment. So I think, yeah, I think they've just got this fan base who will follow them now. Definitely. Um, They are going to be a thing, it certainly seems. (laughs) Uh, Neck Deep are already a thing and they are a pop punk band. Uh, They had generic pop punk on their banner. Uh, which I guess is I think quite that, witty. Yeah, even that feels like they're bigging themselves up much more than they <laughs> deserve to, really. But fine. Yeah, not 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 for us, but good for them. Um, but yeah, they they had a fucking you know they had a massive crowd and stuff. So like they're obviously like a big deal. And if you like that kind of thing, you like that kind of thing. Um, sleep token out. You were super keen on catching them. Yeah, talk us through this sleep token set. I love Sleep Token. If you don't know Sleep Token, they are a mysterious masked group of people who won't reveal their identities. The singer is called like Vessel and they're all, yeah, they're all mysterious. They don't do interviews and they have these songs that are sort of like genty slash indie songs that usually go along in a kind of interesting sort of more laid back, heartfelt way until the end when they sort of lose their shit. And that's sort of like a template for their music. But I saw them, I was trying to remember where I saw them. It might have been Download. It was in a tent at a festival somewhere. And it, I thought they were cool, just desperate to see more. And they were just had, 
I think it was a mixed it was a mixed set, but I really loved it. They came on and because they're so mysterious and because quite a lot of the songs are quite quiet, when they came on, people were still kind of talking in the tent and they didn't really realise that something was happening. So I think they had to work quite hard first of all to get people's attention and I do wonder in future if they'll end up starting their set with something more dramatic something louder some kind of intro just to kind of pull people in because I definitely feel like that was a little bit of a misstep but once they started it was amazing they just had they created this really cool atmosphere and Vessel the singer I was trying to work out for ages. I was like, what is up with his hands? Like, is he wearing something on his hands? Is he a skeleton? Like, what is it? Because he would hold the microphone and sort of hunch over and do these twitchy hand movements like he was Nosferatu or something. And I worked out eventually he had black paint all down his arms and hands and then some kind of like long acrylic nail extensions and so he just looked really skeletal and gothic and weird in a really good way and then on his chest he had all this black paint too and then the sleep token logo which was sort of I think it was white or silver it's hard to tell because it was so dark in there they like it really dark and he just looked super mysterious and it's a bit like ghost really if you took the music and you just put people in tracksuits or something and like stuck them under a fluorescent tube, you'd be a bit like, mm, don't really know about this. But once everybody's got their weird masks and weird robes and face paint and they're in the dark and they create an atmosphere, it suddenly transforms into something else completely. And they had a couple of bits that were almost like a bit ravey as well. Like when they went up, they really went up and there are some real sort of like moments in the crowd where everybody was just dancing and having a good time and they'd also got um three people doing backing vocals as well who were quite quiet to be fair but it did kind of add to the drama of it and again like Ghost you can tell that there are more plans to expand this live show and you can tell that they're developing so I'm just really curious to see what their next headline shows will be like and what their next record will be like I just think they're so interesting and there's so much potential there. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's cool. They uh they are again, another this this lineup was just full of like exciting British bands that clearly have something going on and there's a lot of hype and potential over in Sleep Token and right up there for that. Um did you catch Frank um Frank Carter as well though, any of that? I saw a little bit of it, but I'm just gonna be honest and say I'm not the biggest fan of Frank Carter. So I was well, I was actually there for the whole thing, to be fair. Um, but I, it just didn't really draw me in. Uh, I wasn't really primed to love it because I'm just not keen on his music. I'm not keen on Gallows. Um, That's fair. But, you too, know, I too, think... Too much artistic integrity for you, isn't it? <laughs> too much actual craft as opposed to... Just... Be quiet, Steve. Um, but I don't, I don't think it was a bad Friday night choice because you could see down the front people were going for it. Um, he had the guy from idols come out and do that song as well is it my town is it called um i I think the message of that song is really good it's all like toxic masculinity and people being messed up in towns (laughs) town centers and stuff and i get where they're coming from i just that sound is not for me i'm just not really much of a punk person so um it wasn't for me is what i'm gonna say but that's I i don't doubt the validity of that booking i'm sure a lot of people enjoyed it are we yeah. gonna are we gonna review the england scotland match now Mel? <laughs> no i was, I was gonna say that's gonna Steve... get that's gonna get the kind of 
mark in, in Metal Hammer that a fucking St. Anger would get. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Frank, Frank, I mean, I can tell you more about it. Like, there were a lot of inflatable flamingos in the crowd. Uh, Cassiette came on as well. Um, she was playing on the next day, I want to say. Um, yeah, on the Sunday, she, like, bounded on and did some singing uh he stopped the show at one point because someone was down he was checked they're okay he did a mosh pit just for girls so they could just go in instead of getting completely battered uh and he talked about like during the song i think it oh yeah i think when they stopped the show he sort of said can we do this song again because this is how good i am at eating pussy and i was just like i don't really care how good you are at eating pussy showing off any just yeah it wasn't for me <laughs> <laughs> um yeah steve, steve and i may have slightly snuck off to uh, a secret location to watch the second half of the english scotland game because i was gonna say steve when you were giving it the big about artistic integrity and stuff i was be like well where were you when he was on there well i'll tell you why because i like the first frank t- uh frank uh carter album and i love gallows and gallows are like those jack gallows albums particularly great britain is a work of astonishing genius but um i don't really like the last couple of frank carter albums if i have if i'm completely honest because i think they are uh, he he's a rock he's a rock band now and i'm less interested in a sort of slightly watered down queens of the stone age with a bloke going call blimey governor fronting it than i am um what he used to do with gallows which was excellent but i, I don't like gallows either that again that's why well, it's not for me yeah. well i think it's more you I think what he's doing now is way more kind of Radio 1E than Gallows were, which was a Well, it's of... literally on Radio 1, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah it yeah. is. So, I, I mean, I, lo- <laughs> I, I, I like, I think that first Frank Carter album is great, and I don't think those albums are bad. I'm just, you know, it's I wasn't... A, it's a big round of not for me's. <laughs> well, not even that, I'm just, I'm less, I'm less into, like, I think he's, he was definitely the, um, he's definitely the, the my favourite of the three headliners. I'll say that. Oh, that's fair. Well, we'll get stuck in. Even though he's the only on. one I didn't watch. He's your favourite of the headliners, but you didn't watch him. What yeah, the England Scotland because England Scotland game was on. Well, again, Rich Hobson, our man, was. Uh, I watched um, a bit of it with him, but he was. I did actually watch the whole set, to be fair. But yeah, he was there, and he actually wrote a thing about it, which you can read on our website, which is probably more insightful because he actually does like Frank Carter, as opposed to me, who doesn't. Yeah, shout out Rich Hobson. Um, it kind of yeah, it kind of felt like I mean, as I said, we didn't watch the Stephen I at least didn't watch the the headliner on Friday, so kind of feels like maybe this isn't a totally fair thing to say, but because it was literally a half day of music, for me it kind of felt like the first day of download was just kind of getting used to it all again, and you know we saw tons of people that we hadn't seen for ye- literally years in some cases, um, you know on a personal level, not just just bands. Um, and it kind of felt like that Friday was just kind of like, like fitting back into a pair of jeans we hadn't worn for a while, and then getting up on the Saturday and coming onto site to start the next day uh, properly. Um, just that for me was when it really all started to click, and I was like, "Oh my god, we're at download, and not just download, but a really cool, intimate, unique download, and this feels amazing." And I think, yeah, I think on. a lot. Yeah, I think a lot of people did feel like that. Actually, I was just going to say because 
on that first Deathloom set, uh, <laughs> me and our art editor and Louise were really excited because there were two guys dressed as bananas and they were going in the mosh pit. And at various points over the weekend, these bananas kept popping up and they're like going in the mosh pit. And we were like, oh, if two bananas go in the mosh pit, does it make like a banana milkshake or a banana split? We were making like terrible banana jokes. And there was one bit, <laughs> I think it was the third day, there was one bit where the bananas were on the big screen on the main stage and they kissed each other and that was very cute as well. But yeah, we saw these bananas on the first day and we were like, oh, people are dressed as bananas, but there were no other costumes. And then we came in on the Saturday and so many people were in costume and it did feel like, all right, the weather's cleared up a bit now. We know what we're doing. We're in the download mood again. Let's put our costumes on. And there was a definite shift in gear on the Saturday to more of kind of a settled in party vibe. Yeah, it definitely did feel like that. And I think the weather is a really important point as well, because... It wouldn't have mattered if it had rained all weekends. It really wouldn't have because it was, you know, it was raining most of the Friday. It cleared up a bit by the evening, but it was raining most of the Friday and it didn't really matter. Like the ground held up fine. Like it wasn't a big deal anyway. Um, But the Saturday, it really didn't rain that much. It did rain for quite a bit of Shikari, but generally speaking, like most of that day wasn't shitting it down. Um, And of course, Sunday, which we'll get to, it actually opened up beautifully. Um, and I think just the fact that the weather wasn't that bad all weekend mean that, meant that that one lingering maybe doubt for a lot of people like, oh God, it's the first download in two years, going to be a washout. The fact that that doubt just got totally expelled um, just added to to everything. Um, Saturday was an absolutely stacked day, wasn't it? There were so many great bands. Uh, it started extremely heavy, all things considered. Um, Lotus Eater, again, another Larry... <laughs> hardcore infused metal bands over on the second stage um i left my pass at the hotel like an idiot and i had to run and pick it up and then bring it back in uh like a twat um but i did still catch the last two songs of their set and it just looked absolutely crushing and people seem to be going do laddy for it was that kind of a fair representation of the rest of it steve yeah yeah i mean now they are fucking larry they are proper larry lotus eater they are just like so they, you know, you get those bands, and you just go like, you just like sadistically want to hurt people's hearing, <laughs> and they look like fucking hooligans. They look, I lo- like, they don't look like, you know, like sort of, they don't, they don't, they don't look like sort of death metal kids or whatever. They walk out and they're in like tracksuits. They, they just look like Scottish Larry fuckers. Like I think I've said it before. They're like the, they're the most like Glasgow. They're like the epitome of what metal from Glasgow should be. Like, I actually think to give a, just a slight tiny little bit of a criticism, because I do really like Legacy. I think they're fucking wicked. Um, they've got such a weird amalgam of shit that's going on in their sound, but I think they, they could do with writing a few more hooks. And I think they need to actually craft some really good songs. And if I think, I think if they do that, they could be, really really great and i think it's very you know they don't even have an album out yet so it's it's too early to be like oh you need to write some songs but i think the more they go on and the more like, the harder they work on their song craft the better they'll be but live they are just absolutely ferocious like really good like maybe we're, we're talking about maybe back to back the two heaviest bands of the entire weekend yeah back it was back. mad because literally as soon as lotus eater just tore that second stage up um Conjurer came on the main stage, so who are surely the heaviest band of the whole weekend, like just insanely heavy. I mean, 
they make the last Gajira album sound like fucking chocolate starfish or something. Um, and yeah, I mean, Conjurer are unquestionably a great band. They do the theme song for this very podcast, by the way. So shout out the Conjurer lads as always. They are just unquestionably one of the best British metal bands in the scene today. Um, forward thinking, expansive, and as we said, just heavy as fuck. And uh, we were watching them together and I almost wonder with not a lot of representation of bands, you know, like a Gajira or like a Neurosis or someone like that, I, we did kind of wonder if Conjurer were just a little bit too heavy for that crowd at that time of day because they were fucking great, but there were a lot of bemused faces once you got from about five rows back. What do you reckon, El? Yeah, it's much kind of younger lineup than usual and a lot of it was quite poppy like pop metal or alternative rock or just had like that sort of spin on it and yeah lotus eater were like the tracksuit sort of heavy and the manic energy sort of heavy um and the screaming sort of heavy and then conjure were sort of stand rooted to the spot in a field while these huge opeth meets mastodon meets neurosis riffs kind of i don't know what's the word ooze off the stage like treacle down the crowd and into your ears and you know they're all gravelly voiced and lumbering and sludgy and like you said it was really really cool i'm just not sure people knew what to do with it um it wasn't so it's not so immediately accessible as uh, a band like lotus eater where even if you don't know it you can sort of just throw yourself around if you like going in the pit it wasn't like a band that had kind of pop hooks like some of the other ones we'll talk about later. It was more one of these kind of, we are going to hit you with our sludgy music kind of things. And yeah, it was great. But um, I, I think they're more of a traditional download band at the end of the day. I think that's fair. You, you kind of want to see them rock up at Bloodstock or something, don't you? And kind of get that crowd. Oh yeah, a traditional or a download. normal download. Yeah, yeah a normal be... download more bands like that um, but yeah. you know th- to be clear they were great like there was nothing to fault in their set it was just a bit of a funny vibe especially coming from the tent with lotus here where it was just like stompy aggressive metal that people could just vibe with straight away um so um actually the first ever Ozfest. speaking of neurosis neurosis opened the main stage on the first ever Ozfest, which had like fear factory type of negative uh pantera black sabbath and uh, who has like cold chamber on it right so and I, there's videos from that from back in the day like them in the sunshine in america in a sports stadium neurosis playing like through silver and blood i did kind of look at conjure and i was like ah there's a bit of that here today because it was literally like i mean that music doesn't always translate that well to a big big field i don't think i think it's you know conjure's music is dense and harsh and hookless and suffocating and it's quite hard to suffocate an entire field full of people um (laughs) you know from that the reach has to be really really wide and i think considering it was their first ever go at doing a stage like that i thought they did really 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 well but it was definitely clear that they were not the sort of thing that people were expecting or were used to one of them was wearing a neurosis t-shirt. Yeah. And then one of them did get in the crowd at the end, which was cool. Yeah. I think it was the basis yeah, got in the crowd and sort of surfed around. 
Um, and so there was a little bit of interaction there. And I did notice some people in the front in Hawaiian shorts having a bit of a knockabout too. So, mm. you know, there are obviously some fans down the front. Yeah, it, it was it was a great set. And um, hope, I'm sure there were enough people in the crowd to have been one over for it to have been, uh, you know, um, a cool kind of uh, venture for them as well. Um, as everything unfolds, kind of on the heavier side, but, you know, a bit more polished, kind of metalcore vibes, I think, over on the second stage. Um, fine, I guess. But really, uh, what came next was the thing I was most excited for up until that point, um, uh, which is Believe From Within on the main stage with just the most taut, muscular, powerful set um, we've talked about them a lot on here because the, every time they release an album, I feel like it doesn't quite seem to get enough attention pretty much outside of Metal Hammer, really, um, in the world at large because they are just such a fucking great band and they are as good as kind of modern metal of that kind of groove-oriented type gets. Uh, and I thought they were fucking great. I thought Scott, the singer, sounded absolutely immense. Um, they had Pyro, which is really cool and unexpected and that was the first time they had been... Um, kind of pyro metal at, uh, at that download that weekend uh, and it just looked great they sounded great the sound was good um, and it was just a fucking blinding set I loved it what did you make of it Steve? Oh, yeah I agree I thought they were that became sort of my highlight of the weekend at that point I think like that's for me when shit like Conjurer were amazing it was amazing to see Conjurer play that stage um, the sort of bemused reception they got and probably the fact that their music doesn't really it's difficult for their music to translate to to that kind of audience meant that it was like it was good to see them rather than them being like really really inspiringly brilliant like i have seen them be incredible before bleed from within to, to that stage like ducks the water and they write the type of metal which is i think perfectly pitched between modern sounding I guess you'd say metalcore. I mean, I don't think they're a metalcore band, but I think they've got enough bounce and they've got, you know, little bits of melody and hooks more in their kind of guitars and their, you know, the kind of the anthemic nature of, of what they do and that kind of Lama God, Pantera, grooving shit. So I think they sound modern enough to appeal to the sort of person that would go to that festival and we're looking forward to seeing a band like Bullet or, um, yeah, one of the kind of metal. Sleeps or, yeah, sleeps like or someone like that. But at the same time, if you're somebody who grew up listening to Machine Head and Pantera and, you know, Fear Factory and Prong and all that kind of stuff, they have got that kind of, what I would, what I would kind of, I don't really want to call it this, but metal cred. Let's call it metal cred. They've got that kind of actual metal credibility. And they just looked like a band 10 times the size of what they actually are. I mean, when normal gigs come back, Bleed From Wind are probably going to play, what, 500 people at the Underworld or something? But they look like they should be playing Brixton Academy. They look fucking They should brilliant. be. <laughs> they right. should be. Maybe, maybe that's a stretch, but they should, they should be. I mean, we've been banging the drum of this band for 10 years. They've had so many setbacks and everything. But yeah, if they're, a, they're like, I've got no issue with any heavy band that makes it big because it's a great fucking thing but i have seen some bands get to quite significant status that are in the metal scene that are nowhere near as accomplished as bleed from within um well again like absolutely no shade at all on a band like bury tomorrow right but if you said to me do you want bury tomorrow's back catalogue or do you want bleed from within back catalogue there would be not much between it and i think i would probably just about go for Bleed From Within's, probably because they're slightly more... I think Barry Tomorrow have got at least 
two or three really, really fucking good albums. But I don't understand the discrepancy between, you know, the fact that Barry Tomorrow are basically about to kind of, would probably be closer to doing Brixton at this point. Like, I've seen them headline the Roundhouse and stuff. And, you know, and fucking great, good for them. But how Bleed From Within are nowhere near that size, I think is is bizarre. And, and that, the other day, they just... Like, Ali, their drummer, is such a great drummer. And he comes out, and he's got, like... Per, like He's got that fucking Vinnie Paul thing where he's standing up and like that Joey Jordison thing. Like he's a character that, you know, Scott just had has the thing that you want to listen to him. They've got a point, got to a point now where they were playing songs. I was like, oh my God, I'd forgotten this even exists, this song. Like I've not listened to this for years. You know, I haven't really listened to the older albums and they played a couple of like older songs. I was like, oh my God, this is a fucking rager. This is a banger. Back in 2014, this should have got them to like, you know, bigger <laughs> four times bigger than they are right now at least yeah. yeah really fucking good really good yeah they were fucking awesome um absolutely loved it and yeah well come to my favorite thing up till that point um did anyone see the horror in the second stage yeah i saw it? i saw a little bit of it and i thought it was fucking rubbish oh okay <laughs> like, leave that we'll shit, park that there then shit it's sort of shit young blood being sick on his own tits very descriptive not for me <laughs> not, for, not me. for me um right next up was one of the hmm. weirdest sets of the weekend which was wargasm on the main stage now i really like this band i think they've got some great songs um i think they've got huge star potential i thought they were one of the standout young bands on the kind of download at home um thing last year and um judging by the in, I mean, we you know, on that main stage, I thought we'd seen Conjurer, who were great, but kind of bemused quite a lot of people outside of the real kind of metal fans. We saw Bleed From Within, who went down really good, to be fair, and got a great response. They got loads of mosh pits and stuff. But I, uh, Wargasm, I would say, not only got a bigger crowd than both those bands, but the, the fucking dedication of the crowd watching this band was nuts. Considering the fact they haven't got an album yet, people were like open-hearted screaming their lungs out to every single word of every single song which was made all the more impressive because the set itself was scrappy as fuck um they're clearly a band that still needs a lot of gelling uh you know there were some there were some <laughs> steve's laughing there were uh you know i think fuck sam man. dropped his guitar at one point and um they only, quite, only one only one point only one point was it well i only Just saw him do one. it once right okay i only saw him do it once did you Okay. Yes, I did. All right. What do you he, want from he, me? No, no, I just like seemed to be like every three seconds he dropped his guitar. Oh, that's not good. But um, yeah, so it was it was a very messy set. I think that um, uh, it's weird because I was about to say I think it was a set beyond their means at this point in time, but they got the biggest crowd of the day at that point and people were going mad for it. So when this band tightens up, um, I think they're going to be a really significant deal indeed. And I think that Milky especially is going to be a major, major star in this scene because every time she got near the mic, every time the focus was on her, every time she did every anything, people lost their shit. Um, but you can't get around the fact that it was a really scrappy set because there was clearly a lot going on. And I talked to them afterwards. We did an interview and even they kind of said like, yeah, you know, like it's our first set. We've only played a few gigs together and um, first festival set, I should say. We've only played a few gigs together and there's like a lot that we need to tighten up and blah, 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 blah. So I think they know it as well, but it was just, I've never seen a band that were objectively messy 
but got such an amazing response probably since I'm not saying this is what their trajectory is going to be by the way but probably since Bring Me the Horizon first turned up it was that kind of weird discrepancy between what was going on on stage and what was happening in the crowd I think it's because it's so zeitgeisty and they do it with conviction they're bringing in all these things they love and making it sound new and fresh and exciting and they're excited about doing it and when they come on stage with all this bounce and because they're you know they are doing showmanship you know she was saying things like uh, oh download at the end of the set you're going to be afraid of how much you love me and getting the crowd to sing and they've got the nerd cover it's like they've decided how they're going to hook people in and they sort of deploy these lines and you know say and do these things that they've decided that are going to get people engaged and it works if you go on and do that with confidence if you go on and perform with confidence and you look like you're having a good time you're going to bring people with you yeah i think that's fair um it's it's yeah, it's just weird. It's one of the weirdest sets I've ever seen because, like, yeah, like I said, it was like objectively like a mess at points. But they, you're right. I was the conviction thing. They did it with such conviction, and because they do have, especially Milky, they just they have this star power that means people. You can already see obsessive fans in the crowd. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can see them yeah. already, and they've got about five songs or something. So, they've got ten. They've got ten songs on Spotify. One of them's a remix of a, another song. So they've got nine songs and a remix of one of the songs they've already got. No, oh, fair enough. That's actually more than mm. I even thought they had. But, yeah, um, yeah. Pre-album uh, uh, vibes is is quite impressive stuff going on for Warpath. They put a little bit of Linkin Park in as well, didn't they? At one point, like just a little snippet. Yeah, and they did um, after the NERD cover. They dropped um, a bar of Fuel by Metallica, which was fucking cool. Like I was like, that's really cool, and that made me a bit like, Ugh. but. Yeah, it was it was a weird one, especially after Bleed From Within, who was so kind of like, I mean, polished sounds cynical, but they were so well put together and so tight and so like... Um, They've just got more experience, haven't they? Yeah, true. We'll see what happens anyway. We'll see what happens. But if they can, if they can get a live show together that merits the reaction they're currently getting... Wargasm are going to be a major fucking force in the in the modern rock scene, I think. Because at the moment, the two things definitely don't align. But we'll see what happens. Do you want my opinion on that set at all? I suspect I know it, but go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the glass half empty or half full version of events? Well, the last time you did that with Atreya, you said something like it proves that they've always been shit or something. No, no, no. Well, so. did you like? I'm being serious. Like, do you want a, a sort of glass half empty or a glass half full idea of what I thought about it? I want a glass Is your in glass the middle. Ever half full? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the time. Don't keep us hanging here, man. We've been going an hour. What did you oh, think of Um Well, I thought it was the worst thing I saw all weekend, to be perfectly honest. And um, and that's because they're not ready to be playing that stage. And, you know, like all the things you say about how scrappy it is. I mean, you know, you can go back and look at, at the drive-in on Jules Holland, but they were falling apart and going mental at the time. Uh, it really reminded me of... That's funny you saying the word zeitgeisty, because I recently saw... Um, a clip of the Vines. You remember the Vines? They're a big old, yeah. big old hype band. Yeah, so they yeah. have a lot in common. Um, uh, they're both sort of tipped as the future of rock and ended up being just a mess and then disappearing, which is what I suspect might happen to Wargasm unless they significantly up their game. I saw the Vines play in Letterman and it's one of the most sort of appallingly out of tune, disastrous things I think I've, I've ever seen. And it wasn't kind of 
scrappy and it wasn't like Nirvana just sort of at the end decided to smash all their kit up but really you know there's a kind of kernel of songwriting genius about it it just looked like you know the Antwerd hadn't um learned how to play their instruments properly and that's I, I don't know like I just thought a little bit like I mean the thing is you can't argue with it because they might get loads better they should do really I mean you know they should do better than a band who would finish fourth on a you know, a college battle of the bands. They should be tighter than that. But um, they're playing the main stage at Download. So they're playing it above two bands who are super tight and quite experienced. And I thought it was a bit of a weird thing to see. But then you can't argue with the fact that, that so many people arrived and were obviously into them. So it, it was the right place for them because that many people wanted to see them. Why they did or why they've connected with people. I mean, I looked at it and I was like, I don't really feel like I even know I can't even, is this, you know, there are points where I was like, is this some sort of free jazz thing? Is this like, you know, Jaco Pincus or whatever his name? Like, is this like Miles Davis? Like, what the fuck's going on? They all seem like they're playing completely different songs. I was like, is this a Mars Volta? But I don't think it is. I think they just aren't very good at playing their instruments at the moment. Do you know what, Steve? I'm not sure it's pitched at you. I think, like we're saying about star power, I think that star power that Milky Way has is just going to get a whole generation of people in their teens and 20s mm. who just think she's amazing yeah they said that because, about craig nichols you know, from the vines as well yeah but wasn't he just really moody <laughs> but they said it they all said it i remember him being really moody and not answering interview questions yeah. whereas milky seems really open and friendly and sparky and mm. i don't think craig was very sparky was he no didn't, but his, didn't his career kind of go like extremely south after a Quran cover. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he wouldn't say anything. Yeah. It's yeah, absolutely it was, got ended. Yeah, yeah. there's a takedown. Yeah. We've gone off topic. Well, anyway, you know, they were still on the front cover. Rolling Stone is, <laughs> the, you know, the, the saviors of rock. So you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's holding up Orgasm as the saviors of rock quite yet. But they're, they're, they're to me, they're like musically, they're a good band. The hype's there. There's a lot to work on with that live set, and I really hope that that happens because, like. I, I can I, there's enough believability into where the band are at right now off stage to means that if it all comes together I think it'll be a really exciting thing so we'll yeah I feel see. like I'm I feel like I'm rooting for them to be honest I feel like they've got that thing where like I said there's that conviction that they've got and it makes you want to go along for the ride even if it's a scrappy ride yeah, <laughs> it's a roller coaster that's gonna <laughs> send you plummeting to, to the sea <laughs> Um, I mean, uh, someone said to me, they were like, oh, I think they're going for that kind of six music punk thing. And I was a bit like, fucking hell, Bowling for Super got more chance of getting on six music than them. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Sam and Milky would tell you that they're going for that, to be honest. So I think that's maybe not quite. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, the band weird... wouldn't, wouldn't tell yeah. you that. Um, anyone see Tiger Club? Nah. All right, then let's go to <laughs> what is probably... I'm just going to shut up for five. Me and I are both just going to shut up for five minutes now. Steve, how were A? They were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. They always are. They're really funny. A are like legitimately really, really funny. And I think this thing, like they're not a comedy band, but they are funny. Jason Perry's wearing a Deliveroo box. Why? Why would you do that? Because I don't know. You don't have to explain it. It was just like, oh, he's just wearing a Deliveroo box. What? That's just an interesting thing to do. Um, A have so many good songs and I was spent the whole weekend I didn't even they played nothing at the end which apparently is their, their biggest song I think I'm not going <laughs> to um, it would probably apparently. probably be like 
I think if I did my top 20 A songs, it would sneak in about like 18th or 19th in my list of the best ever A songs. I kind of wish they dropped it out to play Cheeky Monkeys or Sing Along or Some on the Underground or... Imagine if they did. Oh, it's time for the last song. There'd be one, on one, one voice, 8,000 people in going, yay. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, disrespectful. They're a good band with a lot of uh, followers, of course, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they played uh, They played the album that doesn't even have that on. I mean, uh, in full a couple of years ago and sold out the garage. So, you know, it's not a thing. Anyway, I just think they're a really idiosyncratic band eh? they're not really a punk band they're not really a pop they are a rock band but they're a really super poppy upbeat um quite silly rock band but they're still a rock band they're not a pop punk band they take from like rush and van halen and the beach boys and sort of weird eight bit like square pusher and stuff like that Square pusher, uh, they do, they do a little bit, and they do they. Well, that kind of weird, or, or Mr. Scruff, or something like that. Do you know, that weird little elect, uh. those weird little off kilter electronic parts. Go, Ellen, they don't have to take my word for it. Go and listen to um, Feng Yung Shui on um, A versus Monkey Kong, which is better than Fine. nothing. And um, yeah, and they, and I don't know, I think they, they write weird little songs about weird little things, and I think they've got. They've got the same sort of thing as like the Beach Boys and Weezer have, which is just they're fronted by, well, they're not even fronted, they're the whole band are just just sort of odd little men. They're just odd, unique, funny little <laughs> weird people. And you just look at it and you go, what a weird band. They're just a really funny little band. They don't really sound like anyone else. And I listened to it and I was like, there's so many of these songs and it could only be A. And they're great. They're just such a great, great band. I don't care that they're, you know, they're, you know, Jason Perry described them as like that. He kept saying, like, oh, we're like the kind of children's TV presenter band. And they are. But funnily enough, there's actually loads of kind of craft to all the songs that they make. And I thought they're excellent. You know, a walking age appropriate circle pit for all the older people. He shouted out Captain Tom um, in a sarcastic way. And they were fucking great. They're just, they're just really, really... They don't really make bands like that anymore. And I think it's a shame because they don't sound like anyone else. They're really odd. Yeah. I did think it was quite of its time because it was recognisable how you were absolutely losing your shit. I was singing along to the old hits, um, you know, like nothing. Hits, and plural. I love, I love Lake Tahoe, the old folks who can't work computers one. Like, there are certain ones that are just ingrained in me from growing up because they were this British band who were... I mean, you said they weren't pop punk, but when I was growing up, they were sort of lumped in with the American pop punk mm. bands, um, well, even though they sounded different. And there was a sort of generational split because... You were going mad, like completely crazy for them. I was singing to the ones I knew, and then there were a whole generation of people who were actual children when A came out, who were really bemused and were just looking around, going, "What is this? What am I listening to?" And like laughing at some of the lyrics because they're surprising and they didn't expect them. And I'm not saying they didn't enjoy those songs, but there was quite a generational split when we're talking about how young this bill are. And then A coming on, and I don't think they're out of place, but I definitely think some people were confused by them. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, is that like uh, th- they were arguably as confusing to those people as Conjurer, just in a completely different way. Like, why are these yeah. old, why are these like old men singing about going to Lake Tahoe, and like what you know, watching 
um, David Lee Roth concerts. While they, do you know what I mean? It's weird. It's weird. It is weird. And yeah, they kind of started out playing with bands like Feeder and Skunk and Nancy. And I mean, I remember seeing them supporting Faith No More. And you go, well, that's a really odd thing, but it's kind of not at the same time because. They are like alternative rock. And then they went out with like Goldfinger and Dog Eat Dog and the Bloodhound Gang. Yeah, Goldfinger. They were the one of the bands I remember them sort of being grouped yeah. with as well. Yeah, and they, well. they they played that deconstruction festival with like Pennywise and Sick of It All and Boy Sets Fire and Lagwagon and stuff. But again, they, they're not really like any of those bands. And I did just look at them and I go, and I sort of go, I feel really lucky to have grown up in a time where a band like A could become Metal Hammer cover stars. Do you know what I mean? Like, and they're and they're weird. Like, it was a weird time. They're they're legitimately weird. But I think there's a lot more craft and skill to A than people give them credit for. And nothing is a good song as well, I guess. <laughs> I can't believe Steve actually walked off the field before nothing. And I was like, to oh, the best point. song is coming. The best song. And Steve went, oh, I'm going to go get a drink. And I was like, what are you doing? To you prove the point. <laughs> loud and clear that nothing is not the best A song. You're only that's actually not. Yourself, that's though. sorry. That's actually not true. You did it because you had an interview to do, which you missed anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just say someone had to step in interview? Someone had to step in an interview while she sleeps instead. Yeah. Right. A were finished at half past. I didn't interview while she sleeps at half past. I was like, if I leave at twenty-eight minutes past and do this thirty-second, thirty-second walk. I will get there a minute before the interview is due to start and it'll be fine. And then I went in there and Merlin's doing the interview and I was like, well, I could go out and watch nothing, but no, I'm not going to do that because I don't need to see that song. I wish they were playing five in the morning. All right, you two. I don't want to have to step in and mediate here, but I will say that A were really... The nice thing about A was it was like a middle mid-afternoon band and no matter what you thought of them, they're really good-natured. Like you said, Steve, they did the walking pit. They did a lot of talking to the crowd. You know, they said that they'd been at Download eight times before and they were sort of the slightly odd ones. Um, they said at one point they got people to scream out if they were anti-vaxxers and then they said maybe you should do a literal wall of death. And yeah. I was like, oh, you went there. Um, but yeah, they were... The, in terms of engagement, they were really good because there were most bands who played over the weekend did engage with people, um, but them out of all of them, they you know did so much talking to people, and I think that was really nice. Merlin scandalously wants us to wrap up talking about A, so we'll have yeah, to. Yeah, sorry, on, I just realised we spent about ten minutes talking about a band that Metalham haven't covered for about twenty years. <laughs> 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 but uh, look, no, it's cool. They're a fucking great band, and nothing but. Respect. Oh, are they? Nothing but respect for them. Well, I don't like them much, but that's all right. Um, are we moving on or not? We are moving on, but what too? Because there's quite a long run of bands uh, similarly that aren't super metal hammery. So, does anyone have anything in particular to say about yes. the Kovi, Unaka, yes, yes, or them, yes, those yes. Crows? Which ones? The Kovi. All right, go on then. I love the Kovi. I want to be the singer Janine's best friend. I thought they were amazing. Like, actually amazing. I listened to them a bit before, but I've never seen them. And... What are they like? I just thought they were so good. Um, so, <laughs> she's Scottish, and she came on and said after the first song, holy fucking shit, I'm shiting myself right now. And it was so good, and everyone was just pissing themselves laughing. Um, they are, like... It's really hard to describe them. Um just like fun just super fun and fun core yeah they were just were so energetic live and she is just an absolute star i feel like when we were talking about like 
Milky Way. I don't I don't want to compare women with women. I don't want to like pit women against each other. There's room for everybody. There's room for all the bands. There's room for different types of performer. But I guess in terms of like Milky Way felt like she was coming on and she was a performer and she was doing a performance. When Janine from Vakovi came on, you felt like she was being herself 100% and she did not give a shit. And she was like going around the stage really energetically at one point she was like this is boring I'm going into the crowd because she was bored of being on the stage uh it was her birthday that day as well my birthday too so you know birthday twins that's a thing and that's what twins normally have the same birthday (laughs) 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 and uh the bananas were down in the pit and she was I don't know she she was trying to get everyone going like Everyone was losing their shit, but even when she felt like the energy had dipped a bit, she's like, I didn't travel all the way from fucking Scotland for this. She's just riling everybody up. And it was just an amazing set. I just loved the whole thing and just thought, this band are so fun and I just want to go and listen to them and watch them and really get on board with them because I just hadn't realised how good they were. Just genuine genuine people doing music that feels like it's from the heart and getting everybody involved with it um and I feel like I'm just not really articulating myself to be be fair like not articulating myself very well but I just I had a great time I had a really great time watching that band they are good go watch for Um, it was just just high from watching A probably it's just a sort of spillover from the elation and was it Steve or was it do you think that's what it was was. we're not going back there Mm. we're moving forward (laughs) yes we are Uh, can I just shout out really quickly um they're not really a very metal hammer band but I do really like Twin Atlantic and I saw a little bit of Twin Atlantic and I was a little bit disappointed with them actually I was a little bit I have to say I was a little bit disappointed they did they ended with Heart and Soul which I think is is an absolutely brilliant song but I was a little bit disappointed with Twin Atlantic I don't think they kind of they seem to have some sort of technical issues and they didn't didn't seem to look as happy to be there as I would have wanted them to so uh, I don't want to shit on Twin Atlantic because I actually like them as a band or I like that one particular album like it is really good but yeah they weren't they didn't really do it unfortunately there were a few um, technical difficulties across the weekend weren't there because Yonaka mm. came on before Twin Atlantic on that same stage yeah. and they like they didn't the first one and a half songs there was no sounds but they didn't realise and they were just playing through or something and I, yeah. and I saw them for a couple of songs after that and it was fine and they were pretty good um, uh, the singer was dressed up like Poison Ivy or something she looked wicked but um, the uh, not literally I was making a comparison that'd be weird um, but yeah they obviously got through that but there were quite a few odd little uh, niggles going on with the sounds across that weekend so it seems um i didn't see those damn crows but me and steve got chatting to a scottish fella what are you laughing at just i was gonna bring that guy up he thinks um, <laughs> good those, uh, yeah we got those, chatting to the most those scottish damn crows. Oh! <laughs> oh my god did you see those damn crows just good classic rock songs that's all you want, isn't it? It's like, no, I've got enough of them. Thanks very much. Yeah, I had to leave Steve and him to it because him and his friend, there are these two really nice fellas who came and sat with us um, on a table um, in the, uh, around the side of the stage. And um, they were just gassing up those down crows. And then Steve and um, one of the guys got into this heated debate about you too. So I had to leave them to it. But according to that guy, those down crows were fucking great. So if you like classic yeah. rock, you probably could have seen them. Um, but... but- he doesn't like you too, so he's a fucking idiot. So. Oh, come on. 
<laughs> no, he's a nice guy, but just don't trust his taste in music. Never trust anyone who doesn't like U2. He did like That's... U2. He just didn't like them post the point that you no, he po- post the fucking debut album he was going that they were shit. I was like, have a word with yourself, mate. You oh, moron. Much. Stop it. They were very nice people. He was. He was a nice guy, but don't shit on U2. Don't sit on U2. Ever. I've just stopped listening to U2 now. What are you talking about? Uh, our you new best, best friends. Best band ever. What? Right, okay. Um, right, should we just get uh, what is probably <laughs> going to be the main event of this day for us? And I think on balance, even with what happened on Sunday, I think my favourite set of the whole weekend. And mine. Yes. While she sleeps, sub-headlining the main stage at Downloads. I know it's not a quote-unquote proper download, but it still feels really good to say that. Fuck me. This was, I mean, we've all seen While She Sleeps so regularly for the better part of a decade now. And I feel like in that time, we've maybe been waiting for their kind of definitive moment. They've always been great at festivals, you know, Los Scale in the the, um, Sound Tower in 2014 and all that. Like, they've always been great. But this felt like as close to a definitive while she sees performance as we've ever seen. They were absolutely unfucking believable, weren't they, Stephen? Yeah, mate. Fucking wild. Bit of a leading were. question, but I'm gonna I think it's well, justified this you, time. Mate, you were stood next to me, so you know how I felt about it. We were losing our shit. It's one of the I didn't go in any mosh pits or anything this weekend. And A aside, I think while she sleeps is the most I lost my shit. Maybe well we'll talk about my favourite festival um uh, set after, straight after this one. This was the high point of the weekend. Well, and there's one on Sunday as well. But um, yeah, pretty much like the high point of the weekend was around this time. I thought Sleeps were amazing. New stuff from the new album sounded great. Yeah. But it's when they went four walls into Brainwashed might be the best 10 minutes of download 2021. Like it was, it was absolutely unstoppable. I agree, and that new stuff sound like their sound was so good on that stage mm. as well because they they get they've got increasingly dense while she sleeps. There's a lot going on on those last few albums, um, and to start with like Sleep Society, which sounded fucking massive. Um, you know, the last album we talked about when we reviewed Sleep Society a few weeks ago, we talked about the previous album, and we kind of. I had a bit of a mixed feeling about it, but those songs sounded great in this set as well. Um, uh, and then, yeah, that final run where they went from You Are We into Four Walls into, I mean, Brainwash just sounded like it was going to collapse the entire field. It was so big. Into Silent Speaks, into Nervous, which is just, I think, going to be another all-time great anthem for them. Um, which into Syst- I mean, ending with Systematic was an interesting one because that's not that, that was a single from the new album, but I didn't feel like it was the single from the new album. But again, it sounded huge. And I had no idea what kind of a crowd Sleeps would pull at this festival. I know they're a popular band. They've crafted their way up to kind of a Brixton level kind of. Um, but it felt like everyone was there and it felt like everyone was here for them. And it, I still believe in this fucking band. It was just so great and look and also massive shout out to Loz once again scaling the sound tower but inexplicably managing to do it inside about 10 seconds from being on the stage into sitting up on the thing it was so mad we looked around and we were like how's he done that how has he actually done that um but it was it was just great like you are um not your silent speaks was emotional brainwashed was just savage oh what a fucking i mean this album has made me fall straight back in love with Sleeps again and this set has made me want to marry them quite frankly um, mate I, I mad right 
I'm just looking at their back catalogue because I was like, you know, they got like, what, 50 minutes, I think they got, just under an hour. Like, no Steal the Sun, no Hurricane. Nothing um, off the first record. Nothing off the, like, you know, no like, no New World Torture or fucking, um, yeah, like literally nothing from This Is The Six. Half the set, in fact, was made up of brand new tracks, which is, uh, you know, this is, a, 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 when I did the, um, the interview, because someone had to, um, they were saying about how um, this was this was basically an album release show for them. So it's unsurprising that they played the new tracks, but for them to sound so big, like it felt like people were waiting to sing these songs. And the album's only been out for about two months or something. Like, can yeah, you can you gas this really, up anymore, El? I was going to say, we haven't really mentioned that Download Pilot was the first time some of these bands have actually been able to yeah. play songs from their new record. Same with Bleed From Within. Yeah, and um, those have been out for like 18 sleeps. months. <laughs> Yeah, and so to not only get on stage after all this time, but to actually play the new material live is incredible. And I just thought the set list from Sleeps was incredible. Just so new, so fresh, so exciting. I loved that they ended with Nervous and Systematic because I think those songs are amazing. And the reaction was just absolutely insane. Um, I was watching from side of stage, so I had a really good view of the crowd. And there was a point as well where Loz went into the crowd and just surfed over everybody and then he just came back and walked up to the stage and he was just going crazy and he was doing things like knee slides on the floor across the stage and they're like flashing a smile and that was amazing as well because the band just looked to be having the best time as well as the audience it was this whole like mutual appreciation love thing and we've talked before about how sleeps have got their patreon and they've got all their fans on there and it's this very tightly knit thing and I think walking around the festival site the merch that I saw the most of was the Sleep Society banner like that was on loads of people's backs and on loads of people's merch and there was this huge kind of like amazing music coming from the stage and then this huge kind of feedback from the audience like you could really feel the love and especially as everyone was chanting like Yorkshire 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 and you're like yeah Yorkshire uh just an incredible atmosphere such a great atmosphere yeah it was it was just it felt like you kind of at most downloads you kind of wait for that real moment that defines the weekends where you feel like you don't feel at any other point in the year do you know what i mean you get that i'm at a festival with people and this is a real moment in time feeling and it arrived for pretty much all 50 minutes of that while she sleeps set i think it was the I mean, I've never seen Wild Sleeps be anything other but, but great, but I think it was the best set, uh, sleep set I've ever seen. The moment where that's now become like a traditional thing for them, where they get everyone on each other's shoulders. It always just looks amazing. Um, they did the classic Corey Taylor jump the fuck up thing, which is, we've all seen a million times, but I haven't seen it for two years now, so it actually was quite nice <laughs> to see that again. Um, it was just like, just astonishingly good. And then maybe what's so amazing about that is that... You, we got to this is why this this festival was so great we got to go from that almost historic feeling while she sleeps at into a similarly historic and brilliant and emotional and i guess more theatrical creeper set in the tent straight away i mean what a run this is for amazing british bands how was that creeper set for you steve uh, this is my favorite set of the weekend i thought creeper were absolutely 
Amazing. I mean, I've seen that band a lot over the years. You know, I saw them opening on first with Heck and Gallows at the garage in like 2000, early 2015. Um, and like Heavy Fest on the fourth stage when they just had like two EPs out and stuff. I wasn't there at kind of absolute ground zero, but I've seen them so many times over the years and they just keep getting better and better and better. And again, like, the album that they put out last year, which I thought the first album, you know, um, I'll turn it in your arms is, is, is a great record and it's got loads of really anthemic songs in it. But Sex, Death and Infinite Void that they put out last year is a far more kind of mature and musically interesting record, I think. And so hearing stuff like, I mean, they ended with Annabelle, which is amazing, you know, Cyanide, which sounds like Suede or something, all these kind of like lush Britpop vibes, these kind of... Um, I know you're not supposed to be nice about him, but these kind of Phil Spector, Phil Spectorisms, and along with that kind of AFI gothic punk thing that they do, and they're just so visually interesting. Their set was so um, so theatrical, but still so heartfelt as well. Like Will, going from a guy who I saw getting kind of shit from Frank Carter fans in the 100 Club because they're like, oh, my chemical romance and just sort of going, oh, yeah, nice one, thanks, to being a guy holding 10,000 people in the palm of his hand was just fucking amazing. And they love it. You can tell, like, Ian and Will were stood there and there's a moment where the two of them sort of looked at each other, I think, during Misery and just lost it, like, just totally lost it. You know, they were, like, they were just really genuinely crying on stage at how fucking much it meant and you could tell you can tell with them that it really means a lot and they've really connected with people and they've now got a set which can can swerve and morph and move and swell and and simmer and then explode and uh man i i thought they were fucking insanely great they look like they look like they should be playing arenas do you know what I mean? Like it looked, it looked like an arena show. Um, Do you think they can get there? Because I don't I, know. I still can never quite. I mean, obviously they've got a big following in the UK now, and the you know the evidence was there on Saturday. But I still can never quite tell, like, if they're going to be one of those bands that has this kind of cult bubble, or if they are really going to break out and be that band. Do you know what I mean? I think they've made a record in the in the, the last record, which is kind of. It's been quite divisive, and I think the best bands do that. I think we might see like kind of i I think it could I think it could be a fairly long road for Creeper in the same way as it was for someone like Biffy Clyro. I can see Creeper turning into a band like I think I can see them kind of almost leaving leaving punk rock well behind, and I think it will depend on what happens in music in general. What becomes like. Because what's really, really big and really, really cool in mainstream music at the moment is very slight, very low energy, minimalist things. Like when you think of like the biggest artists in the world, when you think of like Billie Eilish or whoever, like that's really kind of minimalist. And I think for Creeper to appeal to those people, even though they've got that kind of dark gothic thing, and they're really idiosync again, really idiosyncratic, really weird. Um, I don't know, but for a rock band, like how big can a rock band get at the moment? They can get fairly big. Um, I think it might be quite a, lo a longer road than we might have expected or anticipated early on when those EPs are coming out. But I, I wouldn't rule it out because they just 
continue to kind of change and morph and 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 and, and I think get better as well. Like I I think that last record that came out last year is a better record than the first one. Like you know, it, it's obviously down to a lot down to sort of personal taste, but I think it's. Kind of, it definitely I guess felt say. like, I mean, I, musically, I wasn't as big on the last album, but it definitely felt like a more fully realised, cohesive, conceptually definitely. loaded mm. record, didn't it? Yeah, it's 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 kind of, for me, like if the first album's Trouble Gun by Therapy, this is like the Infernal Love. Yes, a 90s reference, of course. But, you know, <laughs> like bringing, change, changing it and making it like a bit slower and a bit just... The, the shades were more grey than the kind of purple and black that they were dealing in before. And I think it will all depend on on a lot of things. But I, I personally, what Creeper are doing right now, I personally think is fantastic. And I loved hearing songs like Cyanide and Annabelle in the set and, and Born Cold. Like, I absolutely loved it. I thought they perfectly complemented, you know, the, the bangers from the previous period. It was yeah, amazing. It was, it was really cool. The confidence is flowing through that band and it's exciting to see. Um, it, it felt like, I feel like, I know Elle has been a big Enter Shikari fan, um, but I feel like none of us are, would currently describe ourselves as like, right now, massive Enter Shikari fans as such. And yet, when you kind of think about the things we're talking about, just like hardworking bands that are so good at their craft, that have amassed a real sense of love and unity in their fan bases. Enter Shikari makes so much sense to headline a festival like this. And as someone who likes quite a bit of their stuff, but doesn't love a lot of their stuff, I kind of wish I love Enter Shikari more than I do. I thought they were fucking great on the Saturday night. Really, really great. Celebratory, positive, fun, emotional. Um, the stage show was good. Uh, Rao was just just on it all night. He was on great form. Um, I just thought he was great. I know you're a bigger fan than I am. So, what did you make of it all? Yeah, I was gonna say I am an Enter Shikari fan. I think they just got so much energy whenever you see them live. It's just this outburst, and they're another one of these bands that just do everything from the heart. You can tell it comes from a really genuine place, and they experiment with things that you wouldn't normally put together whether it's sounds or lyrics or whatever it is they're such a unique band um in what they do and i think it was always going to be a bit special in the sense of they have that social conscience and this was a festival during a pandemic which is so crazy to still think about we're in a pandemic we were at a festival and it was nice when he dedicated anaesthetist to anyone who works in care or the NHS and he said you people are angels and you've been let down by the government again and again um, and I was expecting him to say something socially aware and um, there was sort of that that little part of it um, and they just brought a big show didn't they massive light show all these strips of light um, that was the biggest thing that it was yeah the biggest thing that happened on the stage probably production wise you know we had bleed from within's fire and bullet had a big light show the next day that was all kind of bright but shikari had this amazing show and they had Lots of confetti, confetti love a bit of confetti confetti that erupted out of it and like streamers that erupted out of it so they were making it into a party and into an event and um you know rao is just Again, he's a really unique frontman. Some of the things he does, you would just, if someone else did it, you'd be like, what are you doing? But he does all these little dances all kind of around the stage and um, is really, again, really engaged with people, really sort of talks to the crowd and gets them involved. And their songs are just songs that you can sing along to as well and just dance to. And it was great to just have everyone like dancing 
because again you're at a festival in a pandemic and this is something people haven't been able to do they haven't really been able to get together and just scream out songs and like dance in a field and um I think it was just one of those moments where you were like wow it's a pandemic we're at a festival this festival was pulled together in like less than a month and now we are here I think it was sort of one of those moments for me yeah it was awesome I absolutely uh I've really really enjoyed it and um I've had a lot of their songs stuck in my head ever since um I interviewed Rao as well earlier that day and that's going to be up online at some point uh later this week I think um and he's just such a genuine earnest honest heartfelt guy I'm so glad we've got people like him in the rock scene right now um we should probably go over to Sunday because there's a lot to get through. We'll probably have to start speeding some of these. Um, did you catch St. Agnes L? I know that Lizzie... Are, I did, are, yeah. I did, but... I did. Um, they, they were, they, it's a hard crowd, isn't it, Sunday morning? Because even at um, a super awesome special pandemic festival, day three of a festival is always the tough one. It was a bit grey, people are a bit hungover, people have been sleeping in a field for a little bit. And so you have to work really hard to get people's attention, and that's what the singer was doing. She's called Kissy A. Austin, and she had a little black dress on, she had lipstick smeared across her face, and she was just trying to get people involved and it's kind of like a yeah rock and roll type songs and she was really um moving around that stage and just doing a lot and kind of um she picked up a guitar at one point and smashed it on the stage and kicked an amp and then she knelt down and when she came back to the microphone she covered her arms and her fishnets and her face in blood and like had all this blood all over her um and you yeah you couldn't not look you know she did get people's attention it was one of those things where whenever you looked over at the stage she was doing something else that was like a little bit unhinged I think that was kind of the vibe they were trying to create was this kind of unhinged sort of vibe and um yeah she has this song as well um that talks about having like a bigger dick than you and (laughs) that was kind of one of the lyrics that stood out because she's sort of strutting going I've got a much bigger dick than you and yeah there's so just a lot of attitude really (laughs) (laughs) just uh just a lot of attitude really and they were getting people to chant Aggie 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 for St Agnes well they were chanting Aggie 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 and then the audience had to shout back oi 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 so um it was sort of like a bit of a rock and roll pantomime, I guess, with all the sort of blood and the chanting. And I think it was a really valiant effort for a sort of drizzly Sunday morning. Fair fucking play. Did anyone catch Cassiette? Influencer? No, kind of art, music artist turned influencer turned music artist. Yeah, I did. She's a sort of pop metaler. And um, it was quite funny because St. Agnes was saying like, oh, welcome to our Sunday sermon. And then I walked over to watch Cassiette and there was a guy dressed in priest robes and I was like, oh, it's a Sunday theme. And then Cassiette have got this song uh, called Dear Goth and it says it's been six, six, six days since my last confession. I was like, oh, it's a very religious Sunday or anti-religious Sunday. It's all coming together. Yeah. <laughs> well, Steve, maybe you should write a song. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I've written loads of songs. <laughs> But yeah, I think she's she's just, you know, a fun act to have on. Just kind of strutting around, singing. Good fun, basically. Yeah. Um, I I, uh, interviewed her for the influencer piece that I did on the Metal website that you can read now because she's kind of 
kind of uh, i mean i know she didn't really want to describe herself as an influencer but she's very much come from that sphere into the rock scene <laughs> they and never there's a lot of 90s stuff going there's a lot of 90s stuff going on as well in the next generation of rock like static dress he played earlier the singer ollie that was really like brian mulcrow and was sort of wearing a little crop top and then um cassiette like i think there was a, a bassist sort of in a pvc harness and there was another band, I can't remember now, another band who kind of looked a bit like extras from Code Orange. There's a lot of sort of like 90s PVC harnessy fashion stuff going on. It's always interesting to see when the next generation picks up little bits of nostalgia. Yeah, it's definitely a thing. Um, one band that's definitely not uh, digging into all that nostalgia rubbish is... Hey! <laughs> I'm joking, I love, not, I love loads of those Don't hate on the 90s. I will they be cool. one of the last people to hate on the 90s. If I could go back in time and be an adult in the 90s, I would enjoy seeing what that was like. It would be good. But um, anyway, we're about the here and now. Employed to serve on the main stage. I just missed them because uh, I may have been a bit delayed getting into sight. Uh, but they were really, <laughs> I was really fucking hungover. All right, don't judge me. Uh, but yeah, employed to serve. Um, I missed, just, just missed their set. Uh, what were they like, Steve? I bet they were rubbish, weren't they? Yeah, awful, terrible, <laughs> really bad. Uh, they were very, very, very good employed to serve. Again, it was a bit, there was a touch of the conjurer about it, I thought, where some people were like, oh, this is super aggro. In fact, there's a woman in front of me who, um, Sammy, was on the on the kind of stage left. Uh, there was a massive circle pit. And at one point, Sammy, their guitarist, went, you guys over here, you're doing really well. This side, you're doing shit. And this woman in front of me, who'd been like, folded her arms and looking grumpy, flicked him the bit the bird and i was like well, that ain't gonna fly near me love you best do. <laughs> so i started swinging my fists around and uh i didn't really but i i, I was like oi that's uh sammy from employed to serve you're flipping the bird have some respect for one of the uk's best metal guitarists you piece of shit and um <laughs> they were great like they were they were fucking great but again it's savage they sounded you know they sounded proper fucking savage and um they're not quite like conjuring that that music is quite hard to make work. Like they've got enough songs, eternal forward motion. Um, I spend my days, uh, uh, the, the new song that they put out last year, I thought, and I've forgotten the name of it. Party's over. That's it. Isn't it? Yeah. Party's over. It's fucking excellent. Force fed fucking excellent. Like they're just, they're essentially a kind of a, like a, a cutting edge modern metal band, but they're starting to get more, in the way of like massive hooks, but they still sound super savage. And for me, that is the perfect thing. That is the perfect thing. But I felt like a few people were a little bit scared of them. Only a little bit, but a little bit I scared of them. I think as well, because they presented this really united front. They're wearing all their merch in black and Justine was not taking any shit. She was like, you have to wake up. Let's fucking go. Uh, she was really good. Just really commanding. Um, and that new song they played where they got us to chant, this is hell that song exists that was amazing so if the new records anything like that it's going to be really good i'm sure hit completely um chubby and the gang are on second stage kind of punky stuff went down all right from what i heard um we should probably spend more time talking about loathe really which felt like one of the big ah oh, that's a real shame of the weekends because unfortunately after uh you know a very solid but maybe not the best sound set of the weekend. Um, it just completely cut out for the last song. Was it Two Way Mirror it cut out for? 
Um, and uh, Kadeem was forced to kind of do this a cappella thing at the end for the last track, which, to be fair, I was standing with Steve watching it, and I thought they'd done, done it on purpose at first because I didn't really see the rest of the band and what they were doing. Um, so I don't think it came across like a total catastrophe, but you could tell they were bummed out by it. And um, I know you spoke to Kadeem afterwards, didn't you, Stephen? He was yeah. not, he's not happy about it. He wasn't happy about it, but I think he said something which is probably on the basis of... I mean, this is what I said to him. I was like, those people were with you. And I think, like, Loathe are a great band. And I thought the set they picked was a really brilliantly kind of... Again, a real kind of journey of a set, even for a kind of first ever main stage festival performance. They really felt like they thought about a set, and I thought it proved just what an interesting band they are. They played a little bit from that last album with the, the kind of electro... Um, a kind of ambient electronic experimental thing that they were doing, which was really, really cool. I always wondered how that would go down if they would be playing that stuff live, and they did, and I thought it worked really well. It's just a shame that, you know, Kadeem's vocals were drowned out almost completely. The bass and the drums really overpowered everything. It was quite a swirly, odd mix of a sound where things would kind of come in and out. And they're a very, very technically unusual band. Like, the kind of the, the way that they craft those songs... Um, there's a lot of like stuff that you need to hear for those songs to sound as good as they sound. Like you need to be able to hear the whole kind of sonic palette that they create. And you just didn't. And I think sort of talking to Kadeem afterwards, he was like, yeah, you know, we were pretty bummed out to begin with, but when they went back and spoke to people, a lot of people, including myself sort of went, look, it's not your fault at all. You'll be back and then, you you know, you make sure this doesn't happen again. So that's out of their control. But, you know, I'm sure they won't be this unlucky next time. And you've got to think that those people, when it cut out, were a lot of people were singing along with them. And they got a really good reception when they left as well. And you could tell that the people were bummed out for them and people actually cared about them as a band. People really fucking love that band. And rightly so, because they're excellent. Like, they might not have been able to show quite how excellent they were on Sunday, but they are really, really fucking excellent. Like, I saw their... One of the last gigs I went to before the pandemic shut down was the launch party for the... Um, uh, I let in, it took everything, and they were, like, magnificent. So they can be great. They will be back, and they will be... They will, I said, like, use this as fuel to kind of be amazing next time and i'm sure they will because they're very very creative guys i think so yeah i think they're great yeah they are far too good a band to let something like that kind of uh you know throw them off course um anyone got anything to say about higher power i've seen them before but i didn't catch them this time yeah i had a little run of interviews at this point so i missed higher power lonely the brave gutted to miss jamie lenman i could hear alvana um oh, i which watched is... some of alvana you missed nothing there, i watched the whole I watched the whole of Elvana. Everybody else had walked out, and I was like, "I'm very curious to see what's going to happen." So Not everyone in the field. I just watched it. No, <laughs> everyone I knew walked away from me. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, what, sad what, times. Like, I don't want to moan too we much. We need to say what it is. It's a Nirvana. It's Elvis front in a Nirvana tribute band, but they don't even look like yes. a Nirvana tribute band, do they? They don't. He they dress like Elvis. They dress like '50s people. Yeah, so they're like all in the 50s get up and the singers, yeah. It's like a Las Vegas cabaret act crossed with a wedding band. But they don't and, sing it as And they play it higher than Loathe. <laughs> yeah. They don't sing it as Elvis, they just sing it. I mean, it's, what is uh, the fucking point? That is a real, like, for bands like Svalbard and Palm Reader to not be on that bill, what a fucking spit in the face to have those morons up there. 
Fuck it off, was, Alvana. I, Fuck I mean, off. I can see why they booked it because on again on Sunday it's the third day. People are flagging, and a band like that are designed to come on, come on and get everybody like get everybody riled up and get everybody sort of out of their slump. And all the bands before that were obviously trying to do that and um, did have some success, but it was meant to be like that party atmosphere, like with the Venga bursts at the beginning of the festival, it's meant to be people at Download having a good time in costumes. Here's a silly band. Let's all just, you know, put our brains somewhere else for half an hour and just enjoy it being stupid. Put it on first, That's the, that's the intention of it put, it. put it on first. Put it on op- opening the second stage or something. Like, don't put it on above low. It's like, fuck off. Yeah, it, like, objectively, it worked because they're, they've got a big crowd and there are lots of people clearly enjoying it and... That those are the kind of things that every festival always books at least one of. We've seen all these comedy bands. We saw, well, not necessarily just comedy bands, but comedy bands or trivia bands or weird little oddities. We saw Bjorn again at Sonosphere and we've seen fucking, I don't know, all sorts of stuff turns up at Glastonbury, doesn't it? But Or Bloodstock and you've got Evil Scarecrow or Ailstorm or something. Yeah, I mean, at least to be fair, Evil Scarecrow are like a metal band that metal fans yeah. love. I don't really like Both, both shit, of them are in the metal world. Yeah, but like, yeah, Elvana, I just thought it was forced fun and I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it at all. Um, Hasn't Kurt Cobain been through enough? <laughs> <laughs> they actually had these, uh, at the end, they had these yellow smiley face Nirvana logo balloons that they put into the crowd so everyone was playing with them. Yeah, I saw I, them backstage I, and I imagined too. I knew what they were going to be and I wanted to pop every single one of them. I did. I thought I was going to walk past. I, I really did. I was about to interview Skindred and I thought, I might pop all of these balloons. You two, so cynical. Grumpy old men, Wardle and Statler. Um, yeah, I, I get I it, heard... I get it. Give, give that slot to, you know, young, worthy, hungry band. I do get it, but I don't think it was a bad decision because no. the reaction, the reactions were, you know, everyone was super stoked on it. Except me. Um, Except you. Uh, Jamie Lemon. And me, because everyone left me. Yeah, fair. Uh, Jamie Lemon was supposed to be brilliant, didn't get to catch yeah. him, because again, we have work on him, we're doing some stuff, but... Um, all reports suggest that he was fantastic. Um, didn't see massive wagons. I know Rich saw them. I saw some. Oh, did you? Sorry, I, I, I just saw Rich gassing them up a lot. Um, anything to say yeah. about him? I didn't see the whole thing, but I saw some of it. And um, the singer was wearing a T-shirt that said, I shaved my balls for this, which is quite funny. That's quite enough of that, then. Um, <laughs> uh, Are they uh, like television? Apparently they like television. Uh, well... I don't know enough about Terrorvision, to be honest. They're, they're another fun band. They've got a song called The Curry Song, which rhymes Rogan Josh with Mosh. And I think it's just, again, one of these oh, bands that you guys will literally hate. Mm. But again, on a Sunday, when people have just seen Elvana, I think that was, you could see the logic to it. Yeah, My idea of fun is good music. Yeah, like Neurosis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <fun>. it is. <laughs> I think they're very Sunday, Sunday, Sunday fun day booking. My idea of fun is good music, so Triptychon. Uh, <laughs> Come on, guys, this is going off road. We're almost there. We're almost at the finish. Yeah, we line. are. Um, uh, the poor Wild Hearts, fuck me on the main stage. That was stop your rustling, Steve. That was yeah. um, that was hard to to watch. Was the Wild Hearts? It was. Um, yeah. They had. It was just a mess of a set. They clearly have really bad sound problems. It felt like they almost got their momentum back a couple of times, but it left them again. And um, unfortunately, Ginger just said, nah, fuck this. And he walked off and he wasn't having it. Um, it was, yeah, that was just unfortunate, really. Not a lot yeah. more to say about that. 
I know they 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 nah yeah bad sound. I mean, it's so shit for the Wild Arts who are fucking brilliant, like pr- proper. They they are a fun band. They write amazing songs, and they sounded. I mean, the thing is, they didn't I think they, a really didn't even good booking work. as well for that yeah. day. Like and just it, before Skin Dread on the main stage, like it's a good yeah. booking. And there wasn't that many people there for them, and it sort of felt like the Wild Arts are funny because it doesn't really feel like. I mean, they looked totally out of place in comparison to what even though Skin Dread are like a, an older band like I mean they're not as old as the Wild Hearts but like they're a bit of a sort of older band I guess from a sort of different generation or whatever but the Wild Hearts did look like a really old band and I think a lot of the younger people there are a bit like don't know this band but I think had they've got to the end of their set when they were playing the big 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 songs people would have gone like oh I know this song um, but they just never got a chance to do it they probably I mean I do wish they'd have just finished their set really to be honest but like I, I get it like it, yeah. was a ba- it was a pretty bad sound understandable uh, frustration for Ginger but yeah it was just a shame really uh, anyone see Trash Boat not my vibe um, right then well let's get on to comfortably the best thing of Sunday then uh, we've just been talking about forced fun you do not need to force fun when you have got a band as fucking brilliant as Skin Dreads and I have seen this band so many times and every time I see them it's not that I take them for granted but I kind of feel like I know what it's going to be like to see them and then I just leave so fucking happy. Like, I didn't realise how much I needed this set in my life. And to top it all off, for the first... I mean, there was bits of sunshine over the weekend, but this was the first time that the clouds actually fucked off and the sun came out and we got uh, a late afternoon skin dread set bathed in sunshine. It was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Was it not, Steve? Oh, mate, always I mean, I, the thing is, is like this is no better or worse than any other Skindred set that I've ever seen in my life. I just had to wait longer for it. Um, I think that's what made it feel so good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are the most consistently great live band probably in the, the whole world. And people do now just go... You know, I don't need new material. I don't care about new Skindred tracks. Or, oh, God, Skindred are touring again. But you still, like... You can say all that when you're not watching them. The second you start watching them, you are having the best time. You know exactly what's coming. Like Benji, as he always says, you you won't leave surprised, but you won't leave and you won't leave disappointed. Every single Skindred set, always brilliant. I mean, I must have seen Skindred. I think I've I've definitely seen them. I'm pretty sure I've seen them more than most people. And anyone who moans, oh, not Skindred again, I'm like, mate, I've seen them more times than you, and I want to see them tonight. Like, you know what I mean? Just having not seen them for three days has made me go, oh, I'd fucking love to see Skin Dread again. And then hopefully they're playing, they're, I mean, they're meant to be playing Bloodstock, so that's how I hope Bloodstock happens. Because, again, I just, I, 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 I will watch Skin Dread, whatever, whoever is playing against them, I will watch Skin Dread. Like, they could have, they could have headlined. Yeah. It was like a headline set. It was. Like, the energy and the atmosphere and the arena Always was the is. most full I saw it the entire weekend. It was literally just a party a big big fun party but not the Alvina kind um i, I followed <laughs> i followed them out we did a walk on with them onto the stage and it was the first time that weekend that i got to see a band actually like from behind walk out and see the whole crowd laid out in front of me and people were like jumping up and down and starting to mosh and dance before they'd even started people were so ready for it and i feel like you know Maybe Massive Wagons and, and Elvana did the job. Maybe they rejuvenated everyone. But it did feel like there's a slight yeah, low sure. energy for a lot of Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
maybe there was a slightly low energy for a lot of Sunday, but skin dread, it just felt like people were just so ready for it. And as soon as the first note went off, it just completely went off. It was so, so good. Um, just, uh, yeah, <laughs> needed that skin dread set in my life. The, the idea that skin dread need Alvana to, warm, know, people, to warm people up for them. No! <laughs> They've got the biggest hype man already. Benji was like doing so much banter. My favourite bit was when he said that they'd been told we couldn't do the Newport helicopter. Yeah. So he pretended to ring Boris Johnson up on his hand phone. And <laughs> I think he called Boris Johnson a cunt. And then said, nobody here's got COVID. And then, yeah. It was great. Ended up ending with nobody in the Newport helicopter. The whole field was just it was, a blur uh, of shit. It was warning, I think. They did it was the, a moment. Oh, yeah, sorry, warning. Yeah, yeah, so it was the last track, wasn't so it? Nobody into warning. Every single Skindred show for the last 10 years, every single show, nobody, nobody into warning to end it with a Newport helicopter. And, and yet, and yet, like no other band could just go, these will be our last two songs for, for a decade. It, at every single show and you're still like yeah cool great yeah that's yeah, fine it was just who cares like great that's what I want it was fucking another, amazing another 10 out of 10 set in a weekend had a lot of 10 out of 10 sets um, Frank Turner then played in the tent I didn't see it I saw quite a lot of footage of it and it looked like it went off there as well apparently they got a really good crowd Steve's putting his hand up I just want to say I didn't see much of Frank Turner and I'm not really a massive fan of Frank Turner but he gave one of the most stirring and emotional um, speeches about the year and uh, and the rock and metal community that I heard all weekend and for that fucking fair play he played a couple of good songs a couple of songs I know I'm not a massive Frank Turner fan I've got to be perfectly honest like he's cool and everything but it's not really that something that I'm that into uh, but he he played a few songs I thought were quite good but I really really liked how he seemed so stoked to be there like so stoked and he did a really good you know he's quite an impassioned guy he did a great kind of really stirring you know the rock and metal community we miss each other we love each other we fucking feel for each other and we've we've needed this all of us have needed this so much and it was just great yeah it was really good yeah that's fair i mean there was, there was just so much emotion from so many bands like everyone seemed so stoked to get on stage um it was fucking great and then we top things off with bullet for my valentine and Sunday Night Headliners. Now, I said when this lineup first got announced, I think Bullet are going to have a real job on their hands to follow everything that would have happened that weekend. Because even before we knew just how good it would all be, we knew that they would be following Frank Carter, they'd be following Enter Shikari, they'd be following Skin Dreads while she sleeps. Like It's just a weekend stacked with bands who are high energy, enthusiastic, super passionate, have dedicated, passionate, emotionally engaged fan bases. And Bullet, I've never been a huge fan of them musically. I wasn't cranking the poison as much as many of my peers and friends were, to be quite frank, back in the day. Um, but regardless of that, like they've never kind of been that kind of fun, like super engaged band in the same way. I even had a conversation with um, with Benji on last week's podcast where... He kind of said like, yeah, you know, Matt's never been the most uh, jokey guy, blah, 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 blah. So I just didn't know how a set like that was going to go down at the end of this kind of festival. It felt like it could not quite run along the same kind of lines. And for the first kind of, I'd say third, maybe, it was kind of like, you know, this is good. It was super polished. Like there was a pretty significant proportion of people that were there that were like really enjoying it and stuff. It sounded good. It looked very professional and slick, but it didn't 
quite feel like it was like picking up that kind of festival vibe that so much of the rest of the weekend had. And then when they started dropping songs like Your Betrayal for Us to Choke Upon um, and especially later on in the set where they dropped Scream Aim Fire, the whole vibe seemed to just change and it turned into this super fun, celebratory, fucking brilliant festival headliner set and people were losing their minds. I went into my first circle pit for something like eight years um, for Tears Don't Fall of all songs. Like, I don't even know if I like that song that much, but it was just so uh, um, kind of infectious, just like how much people were losing their minds. And you just kind of reminded yourself just how much this band had meant to people over the years and how they were a totally era-defining band back in their day. And I'm not knocking the recent material. Like, the last album was patchy at best. Um, the album before that, Venom, was all right. Um, from what I've heard of the new one, it's going to be a significant step up from that, I think. But um, they just mean so much to people, this band. And I kind of took that for granted a little bit. And I had a fucking great time when it all was said and done. And I thought it actually ended up being a really great way to close out the festival. Uh, what say you, Al? I know you're watching it with me. It was, yeah. Um, I kind of felt a little bit the same, to be honest. But I think you have to remember as well that Bullet are one of these bands that for years and years and years people have been saying... Bullet are the next headliners. You know, from when they came out in the early 2000s, they were like, this is the next generation of headliners. These are the bands that are going to be headlining Download. And then we never got to that place because of the way the music industry has gone over the last 15 years. And so to have Bullet actually headline a version of Download was a really big deal in the first place. And I think a lot of people who are fans of them has probably been waiting for this for a long time. Um, and I agree with you. I think when those hits started landing... And particularly in the encore, Tears Don't Fall, Hand of Blood, Waking the Demon, there was just like a triple threat of people remember either fans who already love those songs or people who sort of lapsed listening to them who really remembered what they were like in the past. And the whole field just was a really good atmosphere of just kind of togetherness and fun and everybody just getting in the pit and having a good time. And I think the la- that last bit of it especially was really uplifting. Yeah, um, the last third was do- amazing. We do have to mention as well, Benji Webb coming on from Skindred to do Run to the Hills. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> that, was... that was so weird. Because, yeah, they did Scream Aim Fire, which is comfortably my favourite bullet song. I love that tune. And then they did Suffocating Underwords of Sorrow. So they were back They were back into a kind of, oh, I've got to say, they did do a drum solo at one point, which like, we, we just don't need that, lads. We don't need drum solos at Festival Headline sets. I felt like it was a nice kind of nod to tradition. It's like, we're a metal band, we're playing download. Metal bands have traditionally had drum solos, but I think in this kind of festival, in this context, it was it just sort of slowed things up a little bit. I, I instead don't of like keeping it at, them going, at any slowed up the momentum. I don't even like um, guitar solos at festivals, to be honest. Like when I go see Black Label Society, and this is Zach Wilde, one of the foremost guitar virtuosos, obviously, so it's kind of what he does. But when Zach Wilde starts doing five minute guitar solos of festivals i check straight out i don't enjoy that kind of thing and yeah maybe it's just me being grumpy again but i wasn't into that but yeah then they did scream and fire then they did suffocating other words of sorrow and then yeah benji came out and um and uh he hinted last week on the podcast he was doing something and i'd kind of forgotten and then when matt started doing the do 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 i was like oh this is amazing this is gonna be hilarious and then <laughs> What the fuck happened? It was so weird. It was great. I loved it. But like everybody was like celebrating. It was such and a mess. 
he came out with a holding a sheet of paper, which we all assumed was a lyric sheet. And then he just completely mangled the lyrics and he dropped in a little bit of nobody as well, which I think is what I was trying to remember. That bit, that bit was cool, yeah, when he did that bit. Yeah, and then he said something like, run to the hills, run to your life. Yeah, he messed and up then the, at the chorus end, of run to the hills. And then at the end he said, run to the hills, run to the hills. <laughs> and he was but just, it was so and good. Then for, the ver- for the verses, he was literally just making up the lyrics. At the end he was just making them up and walking around. And it was kind of like, I, it was so weird. I, I enjoyed it because it was so ridiculous. But placed in the middle of a bullet set of all things, it was just so weird. And it was like, it was, again... Like Wargasm, really, it was objectively a mess, but like I did enjoy it. It was, it was. I enjoyed it because it was really incongruous, and everybody, again, everyone was just having a laugh. Yeah, it was, everyone was just having a good time. It was so time. much fun. It was just like just an outrageously ridiculous and really fun little um, five minute moment in the set. And then yeah, they went into Tears Don't Fall, which was great. And then Hannah Blood and Waking the Demon, and it just like. Bullet are a really accomplished band. They've been doing this for the better part of 20 years now. They know what they're doing, but I wasn't sure we'd get quite the same uplift that we felt at the end of the Shikari set, for instance. And um, it that's totally how Download ended. It felt like a really fun, celebratory, emotional end to the festival. And it turned out to be an absolutely blinded booking for a, for a weekend like this. So, yeah, what a way to end it and just... What an unbelievable three days. It just feels surreal to think we were all doing all that a few days ago, doesn't it? It's crazy now being back in the real quote-unquote world where all the distancing guidelines and things are still in place, coming from somewhere where people were literally just going up to people and throwing their arms around them. Um, You know, it's very, very strange to go from the old normal to the new normal. Yeah, it's it's really odd. But we have to give props to the download team um, for putting this event together because it was just, it seemed so well run considering how last, I mean, I know this is what, you know, these people do, but it was just, it, it was so last minute how it all came together and it was so well run and it was just, was by a distance the best weekend I've had out in fucking forever it was amazing and uh hopefully we will see the data that comes out of it in the next few days and week or so and then we'll know whether it's something we can carry into the rest of the summer because there are still some festivals that are supposed to be happening bloodstock is still scheduled to go ahead the organizers are being very confident about its chances of going ahead so hopefully the fallout of this will enable that to happen um so yeah set of the weekends l Sleeps. sleeps 100% hands down sleeps that energy all the way through it that was something really really special so special yeah steve set of the weekend just by a nose creeper from skin dread in sleeps just yeah i'd um i'd pick skin dread as my second place but sleeps was definitely my first and it's mad that that that, that sleeps and creeper set were like back to back literally yeah. back to back one side straight off the other amazing amazing weekend um and uh you know if there's a chance of getting a second download every year with a smaller lineup i would be okay with that because i really enjoyed how small the site was and how intimate it all felt as well it was really cool um thanks to everyone as well that came up to us during the weekend and said lovely things about metal hammer and about the magazine and the podcast really appreciate you um was there something else you wanted to say yeah i mean i just wanted to say that i had ice cream on site and it came in a goth cone the cone was black (laughs) 
What could be better? What could be better? Can I can I end on something sort of slightly more uh, poignant than that, if you don't mind? Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't you dare undercut me, Steve Hill. Let me get my ice cream. No, that, that's in. fine. I, I am, as some of you, well, you two definitely know, a deeply cynical, miserable person. But I had such a fucking brilliant weekend. Like I say, it, it's not just the best weekend I've had since the pandemic. It's the best weekend I've had in years i think i mean this might be the one of if not the best this will go up with like 2009 as one of the best downloads that i've ever been to it was fucking incredible and everybody was so positive and happy and delighted to see each other and there's people that you you hadn't seen for ages that you were sort of reunited with in a normal way, not just like, hey, there's that person and they're in a mask on the other side of a piece of Perspex or they're sending you an email or you're on a Zoom call with them or whatever. I think everybody involved in putting this together should, I think not only have they done a great festival, they've actually done a great, they've done a, a great historic thing for not just live music, not just for bands, not just for festivals, but for, for all of us that were there it's completely changed i i've i've there have been times i felt horrible over the last six months or so like during lockdown stuff like really horrible but i feel completely different after this weekend usually you come back from a festival and you feel like knackered and whatever i feel like on cla- I, I still feel really really on a high from it it's been beautiful I agree with you. I feel totally and completely shattered, which I did to myself by having barely any sleep every night. But there's just this energy that I have now that I didn't have before. I was feeling really kind of like low in spirits, like, okay, fine, just getting on day to day. But you just have the same thing every day in the pandemic. It just, obviously, I've been very happy and I've been very grateful to be like healthy and in a good place and you know carrying on as normal as you can but when every day is the same and you barely see your friends and family uh, and you barely see anyone in person like you said without a mask or a screen between you to go from that to something where there's a whole community of people who love the same music being so stoked on seeing live return and being so stoked on seeing each other it's completely uh, almost overwhelming feeling it's like nothing else it's just something really 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 special that they were able to give people this weekend and hopefully that will carry forward and they'll be able to have other events that allow people to feel the same way that we did i can only uh echo that state sentiment it was an amazing weekend and um not that you kind of take stuff for granted whenever you can avoid it but you you, it's one of those things where people always say like you don't realize what you got until you lost it it's more like you don't realize what you got until you get it back again because i felt so many things that i haven't felt for two years i guess because that's how long it's been since we've been at festivals and it's just it was amazing and uh we are so grateful to be there and hopefully it won't be the last time we can um share these kind of moments and emotions this summer uh because it was fucking great shout out download that was an all-time great download for sure um Goodbye, everybody. That's going to be it for this week's show. It's a monster. Two hours we've been going for, but that's how much we enjoyed the festival. We wanted to talk about it properly. We will be back next week, of course. Don't forget to pick up the brand new issue of Metal Hammer featuring the one and only Slipknot as we celebrate 20 years of Iowa. 
Uh, and also, don't forget to check out our awesome sponsors and get that exclusive Killstar discount by going to killstar.com slash pages slash metal pods. We'll see you next week, everyone. Have a lovely time. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>